What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of I Came With Fire podcast. Tonight, we are here with Marcus Aurelius Freitas. Marcus is a U.S. Air Force flight avionics expediter. That sounds pretty technical. What is that, bro? Nailed it. Uh, last name's Freitas, not Freitas. Close, though. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Uh, so... Avionics expediter, more or less. Uh, I'm in charge of all of the avionics maintainers, so managing the maintenance for the F-35 fleet that we have in our unit and all mm-hmm. avionics maintenance that occurs on the jets, planning it, scheduling it, making sure it all happens and we don't miss any flights. Got you. So are you guys kind of like maintainers in that you can jump around different air platforms and you know, you'd be certified like on 16 and then like you go to another base where there aren't jets, maybe you're doing a different aircraft or. So, I mean, my understanding is the air force used to be kind of like that and then they shredded mm-hmm. everybody out. So like okay. I originally was on the EHC J stars, which is a C2 ISR platform. And then when gotcha. I came here, like they treated me as if I like I had to research on everything. Got you. But, I mean, it's, so, it's pretty simple, like, all the wire maintenance, everything I'm already good at. I got signed mm-hmm. off, like, immediately, and it was just learning the systems of the F-35, uh, getting read in on a lot of the special access programs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so what I mean, is... It took me about the entire six months I've been here now to, like, fully grasp a lot of it. Got you. So what... I know, like, the acronyms you use when you talk about JSTARs, like, I know what ISR is, right? Intelligence Surveillance reconnaissance but like what exactly is j stars essentially like is this like i know for people listening they may not know exactly what that is because i know the missions that they have are are pretty cool but definitely secret squirrel yeah so the uh, j stars was joint surveillance radar targeting attack system mm-hmm. but in uh it's developed by north of grumman there's a massive dome on the bottom of the jet and mm-hmm. Typically flew at 35,000 feet when the radar was in full operation. Say we're flying above Iraq. We're monitoring approximately 40,000 square miles up to 100,000 square miles. And then there's tons of people. Yeah, there's 28 people on board in the back end. Okay. And uh, most of them, their jobs is to just filter all the information, pass along what's needed to the commanders that are on board. Like usually we have a airborne commander at the rank of lieutenant colonel or higher mm-hmm. i mean i've seen up to a three-star centcom general get on the jet when deployed yeah yeah so like worst case scenario shit hits the fan we were capable of directly phone calling the president from the jet wow so this thing basically just flies around and acts as like a massive sponge just picking up like you know electronic signals comm signals stuff like that anything else essentially just converting it into actionable intel uh, so what you described would be the mm-hmm. RJs or the okay. Reckies. Yeah, they do a okay. lot of that. Uh, ours are like, we're full blown. Like imagine what the global Hawk does. Like we're just mm-hmm. doing that like a million times larger. Got you. So mo- over a much larger space, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Got you. See, I didn't even, I didn't even know that stuff. So uh, what do you think you like better working on? Uh, I don't know. I think they both have their ups and downs. I enjoyed the missions while we were deployed, especially all the trips mm-hmm. out to Sancom. Just the oh, yeah. stuff we got to do, the things I got to see and be a part of. Yeah. But uh, obviously right now we're G- like G-Watt's over. We're not a part of anything. So even mm-hmm. being with F-35s now, I'm sure 
once something hits the fan. Yeah. You know, like theoretically say we're island hopping. That's what a lot of training and preparation we do right now is. Mm-hmm. So if we're in the Philippines and we're island hopping and we're going up against China, I mean, man, that'd be something different. Definitely. Uh, I wouldn't even know, begin like how the survivability of like a J stars aircraft would be over there, especially if, um, you know, some of the airfields they anticipate being destroyed would be destroyed if that were to happen. Um, you know, I don't know how like technical that is, or, or if you can even speak on it, but like, could you launch a J stars from the United States and reach all the way across the Pacific like that? Or does it need to have some other local theater platform? Uh, you know, yeah, no, you, you definitely place. could. There was multiple times we had the jet with two, three crews on board and we would fly. I think the longest flight I was ever on was 38 hours. We AR'd twice, aerial okay. refueled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. We provided, out of the 38 hours, it was like 34 hours of nonstop surveillance. That's crazy. Yeah, it's so like we had troops in contact, and the jet just, every time they're like, we can't take you off station. You're going to get refueled in pattern. Mm-hmm. Got you. So you said you had, like, multiple crews on. Is that for, like, crew rest, essentially, so that you guys can, yeah, like... exactly. Yeah, gotcha. like the front area of the Stay jet fresh. had a kitchen. We had bunks. We had twelve seats. Dang! Yeah, more it's a airborne, big ass aircraft. Airborne chicken nugs. That's where it's at. Airborne chicken nugs. Yeah. <laughs> you get those straight out like, of the desert defect. They just hand you bags of frozen chicken nuggets. Dude, hell yeah, man! I wouldn't bitch about that at all. That sounds delicious. <laughs> chicken nuggets. Who cares? Fuck yeah, man. So, um. I want to kind of like dive in a little bit on the 35 and like some of the stuff that I know that like you are kind of spun up on the 35 is definitely an aircraft that got has had sort of a bad name, um, for, for quite a while. And I know that there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, dogfights and, um, you know, whether or not dogfights are even a legitimate thing anymore. Um, but that the 35 essentially can't survive a dogfight. It's not, you know, all that it's cracked up to be. And so I know that that's not necessarily true at all, but I would love it if you could give a better explanation about why that's not true. And then, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of this, uh, these things that we have coming online uh, with the Air Force. Yeah, man. So like you say dogfighting, like, I don't know why a lot of people anticipate or think the 35 is going to just like stand up to what the F-22 is capable of. Mm-hmm. So obviously they'd be like comparing a sniper to someone who's like in the octagon fucking fist fighting. Right. Like that's the F-22. Like they're up close and personal, but even then, you know, it's they're still undetectable for the most yeah. part. Yeah. The 35, like we're talking straight up designed to just be a sniper. Like mm-hmm. you will not see them until you're already ejected from your jet or fucking dead. Yeah. So that's the whole purpose of it is to take out all the enemies in the airspace without being detected or by the time they detect you, it's already 100% too late. Got you. And then a lot of the stigma about it not being able to dogfight, like, man, we got our pilots pulling nine and a half G's outperforming the F-16s here in dogfighting. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that speaks to its own. Definitely. I think I think a lot of uh, the misconception about like dogfighting, um, people hear the word jet and they immediately associate anything jet wise, like military aircraft, with dogfighting. 
Yeah. I think that that, that is just kind of what people's brains jump to. And then, you know, absolutely the, the 22 and the 35, um, are way different. And the, one of the unique things about the 22 that is super cool is no one else has it. We won't share it with anybody, but the 35 is what the, they call the joint strike fighter. So we have you know, m- um, multiple countries that have the 35 and use them. And, and the 35 comes in multiple different like configurations, right? This is like the Navy has a version. Um, yeah. and, right. So what it's like 35, what a, B and C, right? Yeah, so the Air Force, we use A models, the Marines are using B models, and the Navy has a C model, which the wings are a little bit bigger on the C model, and that's just so they can generate additional lift when coming off the carrier and coming in for landing. Mm. Okay. And uh, realistically, though, the A models outperform the other ones just simply because they're a little bit lighter. Okay. Now, Marines hold less fuel because they do the vertical takeoff. They've got that extra fan that's in the front of the jet. It's got a drive shaft that goes straight to the engine. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, though, I mean, they're very similar capabilities. Nothing changes other than slight fuel usage. Yeah. Uh, how much do you know about, like, the Chinese copycats, you know, the J-20 and the J-35? Because there's, there's a sort of a precedent for other countries copying American aircraft and them not being exactly what uh, they're intended for. Like there's the, the story about the Russians. I can't remember which, which jet it was. Um, It might've been the F four. But essentially on the, if it is indeed the F four, somebody correct me if it's not, but on the F four, the intention too was to land it on, on aircraft carriers. And Back in the day, the way they did it, there was the need to cut like a line as it was landing to help catch the aircraft. And so they installed essentially these like static, um, like thin razor, you know, sharp cuts on the aircraft uh, to help stop it when it was landing. Right. And um, the Russians got a hold of a downed one and they recreated it and they put those essentially like cutters on their version without realizing what its intent was. And so they just mimicked the way it looked physically so that they thought they were achieving different mock speeds was what they thought that the purpose of that design was providing for the F4 was, was to help it reach Mach 2, I want to say, but in reality it was for landing on an aircraft carrier that and when we got a hold of their version it wasn't made in the same material so it wouldn't have been that's how they knew that it wouldn't do what was intended if they needed to land it like on an american aircraft carrier it would actually have destroyed the plane so they saw it as essentially just a design characteristic to help achieve a different speed when in reality it was just meant for something technical with an aircraft carrier so when I heard that, I thought that was pretty funny. First off, you know, trying to reverse engineer something and not understand it. But I almost wonder how much of that is in with like the 35, the J35, the J20, um, those Chinese aircraft that definitely 100% look almost exactly like their American partners, right? Or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, how much do you know if like difference wise, do you know if, if anything? So one thing I could say straight up is like a, are LO composites that are on the skin of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. That's probably one thing that stands out the most. Um, the stuff we use is just night and day better than anything anybody else is using. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, on top of that, like in reality, 
Uh, I mean, straight up, the Chinese have already obtained, I, th- I think it's like 95% of F-35 information from hacking us. So That's crazy. Now, I don't know. I can't even say if that is or is not our most up-to-date information. So mm-hmm. that's just what I've been told. Got you. That's really but shitty. even with that, I mean, they're not... They're not creating the same composites that we're using for the aircraft. They're not using the same materials in the paint on the skin. Our low observable materials that go on every crevice of the jet. Like, I guarantee they're not Mm -hmm. getting all that perfect. For sure. So the paint has a lot to do with essentially lowering its radar signature as well. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So that actually... It has a lot to do with it because there's a lot of different composites that are inside the paint that make it perform so, mm-hmm. like such a low observable object. Yeah. Uh, the 22s are actually about to adopt the exact LO composite that's used on the 35. So okay. on top of that, the 22s are going to be, they just got allocated $11 billion so that they can mm-hmm. upgrade to the exact block four system that the 35 is upgrading to. And uh, so what more or less mm-hmm. the plan with that is the F, 22 is going to become more or less like gen 5.5 and like bridge into NGAD. Right. NGAD being next generation air dominance fighter, right? That's what the acronym means. Yeah, correct. Okay. So the, is it true that they destroyed all of the blueprints and schematics for the F 22 and that there's essentially no way to restart manufacturing them? So I don't think they destroyed the blueprints and all that, but the all the machines and materials that like were used to make the F-22, that's all gone. So yeah. Lockheed got rid of all that. They brought in all the equipment necessary to start like all the manufacturing of the 35s. Okay. And they did that pretty rapidly once the 22s production got shut down. So like as of right now, yeah, it would cost more to restart the 22 program than it would to just proceed with the next generation air dominance fighter. Right. So there's really no need essentially or incentive to create more of the 22. You just focus on gen six, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the big thing is like upgrading the 22 to the F 35 systems mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. So between the F 35s and then having the 22s upgraded, I mean, the capabilities combined is going to be more than enough to bridge the gap until NGAD is, we've got enough of it produced to replace mm-hmm. the 22 sound rate. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what exactly is that production? Like, what is it that's produced to replace them outright? Um, man, I can't even say honestly. Okay. 22, like after this upgrade happens, there's a look at the utilize it. I'll say like 12 to 15 percent almost outwards of 2037. Okay. Hey, so that's a long time. Yeah. Like they're pushing out pretty far. So there's going to be a lot of overlap considering NGAD should be flying in service before 2030. Really? Now, you, like NGAD will be, this is an entirely different aircraft you're talking about, like one that we haven't seen. Okay. Yeah. So, before we like jump into some of the other stuff, what exactly I've heard a little bit about NGAD. Um, but mostly what I've heard is like the, the wingman program that NGAD itself is not necessarily another f- fighter jet for lack of a better term, but it's, it's like a support role aircraft. 
Is that true? Or are they actually coming out with something that is a totally different aircraft? So it's going to be manned or unmanned. I do know that. And the wingman program is the aircraft that are going to fly alongside it, not the ingot itself. Mm -hmm. So that's separate. Okay, so it's just part of the program. It's not the actual NGAD fighter. Yeah, it's going to be part it. of the program. And essentially, <clears throat> the, the wingman program, like those aircraft that will be flying, they're supposed to strictly be drones. They're not piloted. Mm-hmm. And the F-35s will be able to utilize them as well. What is their exact role, these support aircraft, essentially? Just more ISR uh, stuff? I mean, or No, not necessarily. Like They're going to be stealth, uh, just mm-hmm. like any of our other aircraft. They're going to be able to carry... Uh, onboard munitions that are closed within base so they're not detectable. Okay. And more or less, they're going to be flying alongside. Uh, it helps increase the weapons load, increase the lethality and capabilities. So, say about refueling. if it had, we'll just say 10, so it's an even number. Mm-hmm. If we had 10 of these wingman flying with it, that one F 35 controlling those, if every single one just had oh, five munitions, that's 50 extra munitions. Mm hmm. The radar on the 35, as it stands, without being upgraded to the next one yet, can use its uh, search and track system mm-hmm. to target 150 different targets at once. That's and insane. It and it can fire the munitions from all of the other aircraft around it. Right. So it, it literally just links up with them, takes control of their munitions, and fires them at all the targets. So you can take out 150 SAMs at once, essentially. That's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. So I know that one of the struggles like that the Air Force for sure and the Navy are going to definitely face is breaching those the first and second island chains. And when it comes to um, you know being warded off by you know Chinese hypersonics on along the coast and how far out they can reach, you know, worrying about whether or not they can actually strike an aircraft carrier, um, you know, which obviously would be uh, highly detrimental. Oh yeah. How, what's the plan as far as, you know, fuel range comes into play? Are any of these like support aircraft going to have like the opportunity to provide, you know, in-air refueling for NGAD or is there you know, any sort of plan on that to increase like the range of this aircraft? If, if indeed there's a, there's a, you know, a threat of not being able to get as close as you want to. And you can rely not necessarily on getting so close because the aircraft has a really, really long range. Yeah. I mean, so obviously that's a very real like problem that we have to look at and find solutions Mm to, Mm -hmm. uh, you can launch out of the Philippines, essentially aerial refuel with tankers that are in the area while still outside of the range that alone helps. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. it may not necessarily be enough to get an aircraft back to station so it can land safely. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that are being developed that, I mean, you can look it up online. They're trying to come with, uh, like, we already have drop tanks for aircraft. Okay. So they're, like. What is that exactly? It's a a fuel tank that mounts to the jet's wings. They hold, Mm -hmm. I think, like, five to 8,000 pounds of fuel. Um, Okay. So a lot of times they're disposable. Like, you just, once the fuel's used aircraft can just drop them off and keep flying. Kind of like the so space making, shuttle kicks off its yeah. stuff. Yeah, they're making stealth versions of that. So we'll see where okay. that goes. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it. There's not a whole lot out about it yet. That was going to be my next question. There's been money allocated already. It's in the budget. Mm-hmm. 
So that alone could be a game changer. Yeah. And I mean, like yeah. I said, if that 35 has got the fuel range. It doesn't have to open its weapons base. It doesn't have to make itself visible in any way. It could just utilize, mm-hmm. say, a B-2 that's flying at 60,000 feet outside of that target range that has mm-hmm. munitions that can still penetrate whatever their maximum coastal or island range is from China. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, regular missiles or hypersonics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there... I don't know how much you know about like the B-21, the new stealth, but does that have the opportunity to be flown like manned or unmanned or is that strictly a manned aircraft? Uh, to my knowledge, it's both. So, Oh, shit. Okay. Like, I don't okay. know. Maybe there's going to be a, something where they're just like, this is catastrophic. We're not going to man it. We're just going to send it in and sacrifice it, take out some stuff. So the 35 feasibly, based on what you said, could control what the 21 does then? Yes. That's fucking crazy. Dude, so essentially this, all right, this, I'm trying to paint a picture of just how technologically superior this aircraft really is. So essentially this acts like a remote control for all these different munitions, not just air airborne munitions like these are could be munitions or whatever that are on board like aircraft carriers or other um like naval fleet vessels right yeah as long as so as long as the technology exists the munition like gps guidance or laser Mm -hmm. and the f-35 can link to it Mm -hmm. in 100 control where that's going could it crack an enemy's like gps right or whatever radar seeking seeking technology on a missile or another aircraft and sort of act like a parasite and re-divert it somewhere else? So not necessarily, but the okay. radar that's un- like our radar in the nose of the jet, mm-hmm. uh, it's strong enough to jam everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, missiles, anything coming at it can be jammed enough to the point where it's rendered ineffective. Got you. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to get upgraded to the new one, the mm-hmm. ANAPG-85. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that thing's going to be insanely capable. And this is the new type of radar you're talking about. Yeah. So how much of the Block 4 upgrades are you able to like discuss? Like, What's available open source that anybody could go find? Yeah, I mean, so you can you can straight look up a lot of this online. The, uh, mm-hmm. the DAS system is going to be upgraded which is what's that uh digital aperture sensors i mean they they allow 360 degree visibility for the pilot directly linked to okay. their helmet so it looks to the side they can look through the wing and uh it just gives them such great situational awareness mm-hmm. but that system's also tied into all the processing for the jet so it allows 360 degree infrared search and track mm-hmm. so you, you can't sneak up on the jet it's got eyes in the back of from any angle, any direction. And even if you're coming up from behind the jet, you can, like some of the air to air munitions we have, you can shoot them mm-hmm. straight forward and they will flip a U turn and go straight behind the jet and hit what's coming behind it. That's badass. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. And like you were talking about, like obviously the uh, denial area from mm-hmm. the first island chain or whatever. Mm hmm. Like, we're developing munitions that can penetrate that without entering it. Because 
Gotcha. Obviously, that's our problem. We got to fix that problem. Yeah. Are you talking and about China munitions like that are? Boasts... What was that? Go ahead. No, no, no. Go you ahead. Know, like fix China's boasting all these hypersonics that they have, and like obviously mm-hmm. Russia's is just a freaking. 1980s yeah, the Kin- there's nothing the kinzel is not a true hypersonic yeah no not not to the way it's not a scramjet engine like what the united states is trying to to develop yeah, yeah for sure yeah it's like the uh the 185 alpha there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. of information on it um it's been designed to be able to fit inside a 35 mm-hmm. so there's that i mean you can find that on the internet uh the disc is this an air to air or like air to ground what's the it intent be, technically it could be air to air or it could be air to ground Okay. And, uh, I mean, open source on the internet, you can find uh, what's been disclosed is it exceeds 15,000 miles per hour. That's incredible. Yeah. So Hypersonic like, like is 5,000 or greater, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Mach 5 or greater. So Mach 5 or greater. Seven, yeah. 750 times 5. Okay. But, yeah. So, I mean, if you really think about it, like anything throughout the U.S.'s history, when we disclose information and it just says mm-hmm. like up to this or more, generally yeah. we're underselling <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't give Which, away the farm. Yeah, kind of like the F-35. I feel like it's insanely undersold. If it yes. really wasn't heard, like, you know, everything on the Internet tries to boast. Mm-hmm. Why would we have so many partner nations just like diving headfirst into this program? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. You know, I, I, um, I remember when they first became operational and just all the online chatter, like I was trying to say before, was that it's not a very good aircraft and that it's a, um, it's a dud and that, you know, they wasted all this money on it, et cetera. Um, which over time, I also learned that this isn't the final version of this. I've not yet reached my final form, right? That oh, yeah. there's all these different upgrades and, um, you know, things that, are intended in the future for it and that we're now kind of seeing the fruits of all of that come to fruition, like a better word. Right. Yeah. And that I the mean, 35 design, is sort of reaching its potential. Right. Yeah. I mean, by design, 100%, they had it in mind that mm-hmm. it is going to be upgradable to all the new technology that as it comes out and becomes available, you know, for the next 50 years. Out. And the whole, it's, it sucks at dogfighting thing. Like, Mm-hmm. They were putting. We have nodes that mount to the bottom of the jet mm-hmm. that make its radar return signature larger than an F-15. It's like right. we were giving it a disadvantage on purpose. We were putting mm-hmm. it in the air first and sending up the, you know, the aggressors after. Yeah. So we put our test pilots and our pilots in training in the hardest situations possible. Mm-hmm. And now today, like regardless of how hard that situation is, they're still coming out on top. Like our F-16 pilots that come down, these are ace pilots. They've been flying the 16 for 20 years. They come down, they're like, yeah, man, all we do is go up to get murdered. It's not even a competition. Crazy. And like, these are pilots fresh out of the academy. Right. So they're super green. Oh, yeah. There's another thing that I think is a stark difference between the United States and the Chinese is from everything I've learned, American pilots train to a much higher standard, um, just purely based on the capability that we have, you know, to keep aircraft in the sky and, and turn over pilots and stuff like that. Is, is that true? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, even our partner nations that get a lot of seat time, their seat mm-hmm. time's like 
at most 40% of what our pilots get. So our pilots can see a lot more. They're constantly flying, getting all that training in. Mm-hmm. And then you have things like, uh, I mean, people, I guess on the internet that don't know the air force red flag is an event mm-hmm. at Nellis. We also hold it up in Alaska. So Alaska and Las Vegas, it's like the biggest coalition competition of air power. So we have all okay. our partner nations come in and it's just simulated war games. Great. And our, our adversaries, they're not doing that. Yeah. And yeah, when we do yeah, the they, war games, like we're putting ourselves in situations where like, what is the worst case scenario that could mm-hmm. possibly happen against China? Let's do that. Let's see how we perform. Right. Yeah. Now you see a lot, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but you see more often, um, you know, the Chinese are in joint exercises with the Russians or Iranians or, you know, maybe even the Indian military, even though they have a lot of issues. Um, yeah. It always just makes me laugh because there's probably not the level of coordination going on that the United States and the UK or France or Germany is able to establish with one another in order to, you know, yield a beneficial outcome um, that actually, you know, enhances our capabilities. I mean, I can imagine it's going to be insanely difficult. Uh, a, mm-hmm. they're not speaking the same language. So if their pilots are communicating in the air, I guess they're all bilingual. I find that hard to believe. That would make things insane. Yeah. I mean, they could. One thing I did, I have learned, uh, especially from my time living in Europe, is that uh, most Europeans speak English essentially not to communicate with Americans visiting, but to communicate to one another. Um, it's sort of the like conduit language. So like, for example, I was at a hotel in Germany. And this is the first time I, like, I really noticed this. And uh, there were some Italians checking into the hotel in Germany before us. And they spoke to the German who was running the hotel in English. And she spoke back to them in English. And that's how they were communicating. Because obviously, you know, they don't speak German and they don't speak Italian. So maybe perhaps, I don't know if if the Chinese are speaking English to uh, the Russians. But that really wouldn't make a lot of sense either. Um, you know, to I'm sure that we're doing a lot of things to try and listen in and, and snoop on those exercises. But they could, I guess, be speaking a, a language like that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I doubt it. But like you mm-hmm. said, yeah, uh, all our partner nations, they communicate to each other in English and mm-hmm. obviously with us in English. Yeah. Kind of same situation like when I was in Rota, Spain. Mm-hmm. All the Spaniards spoke English. There was Italians that showed up. They spoke English with the Spaniards. Germans were speaking English with mm-hmm. the Italians and the Spaniards. And then yeah. like when they talk to each other, they speak their native tongues. But mm-hmm. communicating with everybody else, all the partners, it's always yeah. in English. Yeah. And then I could, you know. I can say without a doubt, like, you know, we've been intercepted in the East China Sea while on board doing surveillance mm-hmm. in international airspace above international waters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when the Chinese intercept us, they do not speak English to us. Like, mm-hmm. there's like five to six broken words that we hardly understand. Yeah. And then you don't understand the rest. Right, right. And our pilots are, you know, extremely good, like, Man, they're they're extremely good at upholding the perfect tone and like standard of communication to let them know who they are, what we're doing, where mm-hmm. we're at, and that, that we are not doing anything wrong. And typically, all the experiences I had, the Chinese would just bug out in the events where they didn't. There's a couple times where we had F-22 escorts. They're flying like 20,000 feet above us. 
Mm-hmm. You would see these, you know, like J-20s staring at us, like looking out the side of their jet when making eye contact. And then the 22s, they, we just hear them come over comms like, all right, boys, we're going to drop down. And as soon as they level off with the J-20, these dudes just dip like they shit their pants and dip. They probably didn't even know they were there. Yeah, no, absolutely clueless. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, like I can tell you flat out, like when they're flying with us as an escort, I look at our systems like they're not on our radar. Yeah, dude, that's pretty incredible. I, I've seen I've uh, seen some of those videos of uh, being intercepted by like Chinese aircraft, and um, you seen that one where the Chinese guy like meows at the uh, American pilot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would crash me up. Yeah, but, I've actually been on comms when they did that to us. Like, literally just meow at us. Meow they at flip you? A, yeah, they, they meow at you, they flip you off, and then they just, like, bank. They're out. I'm like, all right, that's that it, was weird. No, yeah, I'm so scared. I'm never coming back at all. I don't want to get a finger again. Yeah. Uh, So, when I've seen before, like, we've, we've, the 35 has had interactions with other, like, with Chinese jets. Are they in the area letting them know they're there? They're not there, um, you know, trying to be stealth essentially and then get caught or, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, are they? Yeah. Okay. Is there so, a configuration where they could get detected? Yes. So that's what's happened. Like all the times that I'm aware of, that's exactly mm-hmm. what's happened. Yeah. Uh, I know recently that case in the, uh, I think it was the Red Sea, like Iran was mm-hmm. boasting, oh, we saw the 35s in the airspace. Yeah, of course you saw us. We were letting you see us. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, some food for thought, too, is all stealth aircraft. Mm -hmm. They are detectable at a very low frequency using Mm -hmm. low-band radars. Yeah. The problem is no targeting system functions with a low band. So even if you use that to find something in the airspace, you still cannot target it. You're still useless and hopeless against it. So the low band frequency, like you're talking about, is you said nothing exists. The targets uses that to target. Yeah, is that because it just hasn't been developed? Need a higher band frequency. So they need it. It's not like like something that needs to be developed with low band frequency, or is it just kind of incapable of of being developed that way? Uh, it, to my knowledge, right now, it's incapable mm-hmm. of being developed that way. Yeah, and no targeting system can utilize that low band to put munitions on target got you okay that makes sense i guess yeah i mean i feel like too we're letting them like make contact with us the 35 is a pretty big sensor right it's probably collecting info from the enemy aircraft as well then uh to my knowledge we don't collect information but we're Mm -hmm. We utilize and transmit a lot of our own information to the point where I'd Mm -hmm. say like our pilots are almost taxi drivers and the aircraft performs all of its functions without their input. Okay. Yeah. Like it's pretty wild. Like the pilot can literally fall asleep and like it's a dive the jet and the jet's auto recovery system will recover the jet and fly itself. Damn. Yeah. That's pretty nuts, man. So that and that's crazy too because this what you're talking about essentially is going to get upgraded. So it's it's going to get even better. Yeah. I really wish I could oh, yeah. know like what the fuck is going to be that much better because everything I learn about it already just kind of blows my mind in general. So it's like it also honestly makes me wonder what the 
what the hell with these uh, reverse engineering programs with all this supposed alien aircraft? Like, what the fuck did we figure <laughs> out on these UFOs that we're putting on these fucking fighter jets? You know what I mean? I feel like it's got to come. Some of that shit's probably got to come from some something like that, man. If yeah. that indeed is real and those reverse engineering programs yeah, I mean, exist, I think they do. Real. Yeah, I think it is. But I, I would like to believe so. And I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, information that gets leaked or put out. Yeah, I would also like to think like uh, the government's probably controlling that slow trickle information. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Like, oh, hey, buddy, we're going to allow you to be a whistleblower. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure I that honestly, not going to just get slipped. Right. Well, I do think I mean, we could have a whole conversation about like uh, whistleblowers and UAP. Um, you know, the biggest one in the news right now is definitely like David Grush. From everything I've listened to him, I do feel like that he is a, an honest whistleblower that somebody is, was investigating some of these special access programs and then decided that, you know, he's, as he says, the American people need to know about it. And there's a lot more. And and I have seen a lot, too, recently. There's a lot of politicians who've been read in on a lot of this stuff. And most recently, something I heard Tucker Carlson talking about where he essentially was saying that he had learned something that he hadn't even told his wife about that was so terrifying that it was giving him like trouble sleeping. Um, I really want to know what the hell that is. And if something is that terrifying that you're keeping it to yourself, I feel like we should all know. And I know that it could just cause absolute pandemonium. But if you're talking about something like that, to me, it's got to mean, you know, potentially the entire eradication of the the human species or something like that, or all this scary ass conspiracy theory reptilian shit is actually real. And we're all just food <laughs> for fucking giant lizards or something. Um, but no, I mean, like I, I do think that there are reverse engineering programs. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people that have come out as well. I know Bob Lazar is a big one. There's some issues with like, Bob's credibility and especially when he's talked about like his own, um, you know, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for here, his own accolades and what he's earned and where he went to school and stuff like that. Um, that's been called into question before. Um, but there are a lot of things he said that have come out and shown to be true, which he really wouldn't have had any other way of knowing if, unless he had access to those things. So, but it makes me wonder what, what is on, um, those craft that we have been able to reverse engineer and, and made its way on there uh, because I can't conceive what that would be because everything I learn about, you know, the 35 and the upgrades that are open source, it's just, it's wild. So to understand, it's like a caveman learning about, you know, a calculator, like you had no way to conceptualize what that means. And sure, yeah. I call myself a caveman <laughs> and I'm not that good with a TI-83. You know what I mean? Maybe I was back in algebra two in high school, but, um, you know, one of the things that jump back to what you were talking about before with the, these hypersonics, um, how much do you know, like, is the intent for, I know that NGAD isn't intended to be like a hypersonic aircraft, right? Um, but I think it is. No way, for real? I want to say, as of recently, uh, I had read some information that stated it's, their goal is for it to be hypersonic. Okay. So, oh man, 
how much do you like know about hypersonic engines? So, I mean, I was recently in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a program with a company up in Atlanta that is currently testing a hypersonic aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just did recently did taxi tests. So pretty soon they're going to be doing takeoff and landing. And then after that, it's going to be, you know, breaking certain speed barriers and still landing and successfully reusing it. Mm-hmm. What company is that? I just want to look it up. Oh, man, I I can't remember the name of the company. Is this, um, you know, for intended for military use or is it for like commercial use? No, no, to, to my knowledge, it's going to be military use. Like mm-hmm. the Air Force has actually funded them through a good portion of what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. So I know like I want to try and dispel some of the misinformation about like what hypersonics are. And then the difference was between like a hypersonic glide vehicle versus like an actual like hypersonic engine. Are you able to sort of speak to that and kind of discuss like the differences? Yeah. I mean, what hypersonic glide vehicles, exactly what you said, it's going to reach hypersonic speeds and it's going to glide into its target as Mm -hmm. where a hypersonic missile, for instance, it's going to actually be able to make real time adjustments while it's flying to hit its target, like a moving target. It mm-hmm. doesn't need preset coordinates to get to where it's going. It's not right, like so, the ICBM. Okay, so, so it's an ICBM would be a- it's going to be making adjustments, and that's the other thing with the F thirty five is, say it launches anything, mm-hmm. and that target is moving or actively jamming, and the F thirty five can utilize its radar to dispel their jamming mm-hmm. and eliminate it, and regardless of where that munition's at, what type of munition it is, it can give mm-hmm. it new coordinates. It can readjust in real time to the millisecond to make sure it hits its intended target. So it's it's essentially tracking the target and also the missile at the same time and then giving it real-time information to make corrections to its path while tracking both things at the same time. It, it has pretty a link awesome. with all, 100% linked up with all of its munitions until they hit target. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible. So, I mean, like we're developing some pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. No, it's nice to know. And, because... uh, and I, I'm sure you could look it up real quick if you've got your laptop next to you. But the AIM yeah. 260, there's some information online about that now. Um, mm-hmm. that's I have what you purpose. sent me as well. If, is yeah, the, the stuff the you AIM sent me? The AIM 260 is to bridge mm-hmm. the gap of the 120, not yeah, jump into a that. long enough distance. By distance, you mean um, like the range of the missile to engage the target? Yeah, it's range. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, jump into like some of the things that you know about it. Like, I want to try to you know just put as much good info out there as we can. Yeah. So, like uh, the two hundred and sixty, for instance, in its nose cone, mm-hmm. it's like a miniature version of the F thirty five's infrared search and track. Like while okay. it's flying, it uses infrared search and track. So if they're like shooting at its target, has flares getting dispensed. Those flares don't matter. It's not heat signature. It's got infrared search and track. Mm. So like there's there's no way to really get away from it. It's just fucked, basically. <laughs> yeah, like once it's locked on, like you're you're pretty much boned. Hell yeah, dude. And um are the is this something that could get like loaded into the weapons bay on a thirty five, or is this something that would is is too big for like a fighter aircraft and maybe would get mounted oh, no, somewhere was, else? Solely designed to go inside the 35 and the 22. Got you. Which one has a higher payload, the 35 or the 22? 
like what, uh, what it can carry. Two has two extra weapon space, so okay. I believe it holds a little bit more. Got you. But again, the thirty-five doesn't need to. Technically, you could fly empty and yeah. utilize munitions from everyone else. Right, right. Like you could have a thirty-five penetrating their airspace and literally just have F-15 Strike Eagles like loitering outside of their airspace where they can't mm-hmm. be reached. And if they've got the proper munitions mounted up that have the range, F-35 goes in, penetrates airspace, targets what needs to be targeted, and those, at that point, the F-15 pilots are just going to be sitting there like watching their munitions take off without them doing a the damn thing. So I saw that there's a program to um, like upgrade the F-15 and that also there's an intent to make them into autonomous aircraft as well. That's true. So I did see the autonomous thing and there are, there, there's already a contract for it, like 98 mm-hmm. F-15 EX Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to my knowledge, it's like a lot of the capabilities that are going to be on it is going to be similar to what's on the 35. Mm-hmm. But obviously the F-15 is not stealth. Yeah. So I mean, that makes a big difference. Like you obviously cannot take your enemies out undetected like a 35 can. So is the intent then maybe like what you're talking about, how you could send the 35 and empty and then if it has some 15s loitering outside of the range of those aircraft, wouldn't, couldn't it just be a possibility that the intent is to use those autonomous F-15s essentially as like multiple different armories for the 35 to just kind of use and then because there's not a human on board, they're a lot more expendable. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, they're already testing F-16s with a AI pilot. I saw that. That's pretty incredible. I mean, just imagine you send up 20 of those with a couple of 35s that are just targeting everything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we could have 35s targeting everything along the entire coastline of China and take out every single SAM all at the same time, simultaneously. Get fucked. Um, One one of the things I think is pretty cool, like we're getting pretty creative with the things we're doing, but would you mind jumping into what Rapid Dragon is? Oh, dude. So my biggest hope is with Rapid Dragon. I love your eyes. (laughs) I got to stop you right there. Bro, you're like... You're like a fucking Disney princess for like five seconds. Yeah, like the uh, like the AGM 137s and mm-hmm. 158s. Dude, like if Rapid Dragon starts using those, they're a standoff munition. Like these C-17s could be dropping them out of the sky like 1,500 miles off the coastline, unreachable. Mm-hmm. And that 35 could be <laughs> flying above their coastline with new radar, target up to 250 targets at once. Yeah. And have every single munition from that rapid dragon drop out of a C-17 go to target. So break it down to me like I'm 12. What exactly is like rapid dragon? Like cargo pallets of Mm -hmm. munitions. It's like just cargo pallets of bombs that are all, to my knowledge, going to be like glide vehicles, joint air surface standoff missiles. Mm -hmm. So some might glide, some might actually be missiles that have fuel. Yeah, and uh, a lot of them, like the, I want to say the AGM one fifty eight. I want to say that's like one of the longer distance ones. But dude, if you had pallets of those rolling out of multiple seventeens, just getting dumped into the sky, 
the entire Chinese Navy can be wiped off the map within minutes. Dude, if, if, and I hope it doesn't, if it indeed does happen that we're going to war and that's what's going on there in the Pacific, you know, it, it really and truly makes me hopeful that the United States would not hamstring the military and let it just go full gloves off like that. Oh yeah. And because I mean, let's, let's be real, right? The Chinese are considered not just to be near peer, but in, in a lot of cases as peer to peer. Right. And there's a yeah. lot of big differences between us and the Chinese. One of the biggest being just the NCO cord that the U S military has. The Chinese do not have that. Um, and that's obviously a big problem because you, right. You could be left alone for months with your airmen and you could do your entire job unsupervised. You don't need an officer there to tell you what to do. You don't need a senior NCO to tell you what you to do. You and your guys could go and do that completely and totally. And you as the NCO know everything and you have somebody below you who could step up should they have to. You know, that yeah, sort like, of continuity doesn't necessarily exist in the Chinese military. But if we do go to blows with them that way, you know, I would hope the federal government wouldn't hamstring again like the military and let it go full gloves off like that um okay. and i know everybody says oh man we got the capabilities we're just gonna fuck them up shit's gonna be over like asap all this other stuff and you know history has shown that that's not true and there will always be you know things that are unforeseen and it will not be as easy as you know people want it to be or talk about it being but um you know it would be nice to to see the the military give full full lease to just go and fuck yeah, shit. Like in reality, I think the last time the military was like gloves off was Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Like that was probably the last time that we were gloves off. Yeah, damn. The Korean War, dude. Like that yeah. was a shit show. If we were yeah, gloves Vietnam. off during the Korean War, dude, we would have just mopped the floor with China. Well, it's one of these things, man. Where the you know the government starts getting a say in what goes on and politics starts inserting itself in places it has nowhere belonging. And, okay. um, you know, it, I heard somebody else make this comparison around this conversation talking about like the IDF, you know, the Israeli defense force right now in Gaza being non-discriminate with the way it's dropping munitions, uh, in Gaza. Right. And how you know this is an issue, and this is the first time we've ever seen something do that, and yada yada yada. But it's not right. You know, the UK and Dresden bombing during during World War II was really indiscriminate and killed a lot of civilians too. And okay. I'm not advocating for indiscriminate bombing, um, you know, of civilians like at all. And in today's day and age, we have, as you've been describing highly capable missiles, you know, to go places we really want them to go to try and limit the amount of collateral damage that actually happens. But in war, there are certain things that are going to happen that are beyond your control. And when you're talking about that arena, you know, man is going to do what man is, is going to do essentially, um, you know, to win. And so, that's why things like that happen. But anyway, you know, it, uh, it would be pretty, pretty terrifying thing. Um, but you know, hearing you talk about the shit that we've got on deck, that's not even operational yet is inspiring. Let's put it that yeah, way. So I mean, not operational. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
one thing, like how much do you know about like what the Chinese have that is considered like hypersonic? I know that they have like the Dongfang 17. Um, that one is considered their like ground to ship, like anti-carrier strike group, you know, missile, yeah. right? Um, that one's considered hypersonic, whether or not it can, what well, is hypersonic, I should say it's considered hypersonic, whether or oh, not yeah. it can hit a moving carrier from the distance that it intended, you know, is yet to be seen. Um, but what were you going to say before I said that? Yeah, I was going to say, so like we do have confirmed information of its range. Mm-hmm. What we don't have confirmed is, like you said, can it hit a moving target? Um, that we don't know, but mm-hmm. with it being hypersonic, for, like confirmed and its range confirmed, mm-hmm. there would be that huge risk. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is like, how fast can our strike group move? Yeah. Uh, I know there is disclosed information of like, I think it's like 35 to 40 knots. Mm-hmm. I've got friends in the Navy that are like, oh, dude, yeah, that's just disclosed information. You know, just like your aircraft, your disclosed top speeds. Mm-hmm. So hypothetically, maybe we can move at 50 knots. Is that enough to get out of the way in time? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to speed up an aircraft carrier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you know what? I could look it up real quick, but do you know off the top of your head, the those um, sailors that recently got in trouble for selling secrets to the Chinese, do you know what secrets they were selling? So the only up. thing I'm aware of is some radar information mm-hmm. that is utilized on board of our strike groups, like right. ships that we have. And right. I can tell you flat out, like one of them only got paid $10,000. <laughs> yeah. Like... Not worth it, dude. Dude, in no way, shape, or form uh, is that worth it. Um, I want to say, so you got two years in prison, which I think is light as fuck. This dude should be in jail for the rest of his fucking life. Um, I'll just read you. This is a clip from uh, Stars and Stripes newspaper. And for everybody who doesn't know, this is like the the newspaper sold on base, right? Um, It says, the information Zhao sold included plans for a major exercise in the Pacific, a dozen photographs of computer screens showing operational orders of military training exercises, and several photographs of diagrams and blueprints of a radar system at U.S. base in Okinawa, Japan, according to court documents. So, yeah. So, exercise info, which is whatever. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Obviously, it's a big deal because you practice how you play, right? We always say that. Um, But... The radar systems, yeah, man, dude, fucking two years in jail, dog. Nah, uh, should be a lot worse than that. You're doing shit like that. Um, yeah, no, pretty crazy. Seems Maybe pretty lenient. This is a good reason to push with. Hey, oh, we, uh, they have our radar system information. Time to upgrade it. Fork out the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't let them know what we have. Absolutely. No, I just it's frustrating me because I'll say this, and I've said this to a few people over the last few years. I have seen an increase. And obviously my scope where I've been, you know, is limited to where I'm at. Right. Um, and it could be, you know, different, but I've known two different installations that I've been at stationed at over the last couple of years an increase in like Chinese airmen. Um, and that causes concern for me because it's not like a lot of these kids that I've seen are like, you know, born in the United States are just of Chinese descent. Like these are actual kids who are Chinese, they, you know, and they're in the U S military, you know, whether it's for citizenship or what. Um, but knowing something like that happened, these U S sailors, not to mention 
you know, just how, I guess, easy it would be to get somebody into, you know, the U.S. military um, just because of how open we are, right? Oh, yeah. To spy and provide information. You know, I, I'm sure there is, I would hope there is, but there's some sort of s- safeguard saying like, okay, yeah, you can come in. Um, but you're not going to be, you know, uh, an Intel analyst or you're not going to be working on space systems or whatever. I don't know. I would hope, um, you know, the military is meant to be discriminate. So, if, you know, you're upset about what I said. I don't care. You know, the military is inherently discriminate, but, um, I don't know, man. I feel like I've seen an influx of a higher influx of like Chinese airmen. Have you, would you say you've seen the same thing or? Yeah, I can straight up say, like, I haven't seen that at all. But my okay. immediate thought is, like, I hope we are doing, like, severe vetting mm-hmm. of I not just so. them, but their yeah. family, everybody who's in communication with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like you said, like, until there's, like, 100% without a doubt proof that they're not potentially a spy, mm-hmm. hey, you're not going to be on PRP programs. You're not going to be dealing with nukes, intel. like. You might be just FSS, like personnel. Right. Handing out towels at the like, fucking gym. Yeah. Maybe working at the defect. Yeah. No. Um, Zach, obviously, you know, um, is a recruiter and has been for the past couple of years, but yeah. he was telling me that, you know, there is an extreme vetting process for people that not just like of Chinese descent um, or if they're, you know, maybe trying to earn their citizenship. There's other countries too that, we are weary of, right? If you're Iranian trying to become an American citizen, you know, so there's an extreme, he said there is an extreme vetting process. I don't want to break that down on here at all. Um, But so there is, there is that. So that's good. But, you know, I just feel like even though the vetting process exists, having people in those positions just degrades, um, you know, operational security in general and that you know you do it long enough that eventually something is going to happen i suppose you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i guess even at that point too it's like opsex on all of us like if mm-hmm. you know somebody's a chinese national originally they um, start like, asking questions american, being weird. american citizen like <laughs> yeah keep that in mind you know like you might yeah. work with them every single day and question shady shit but like oh no that's just how he is like Dog, maybe it's not. Yeah, no doubt, dude. I've never had anybody like that, you know, that I work with before who I'm like, oh, maybe this dude's a spy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, always try to pay attention for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so the the AIM-260, there's another one you were you were just just discussing. Yeah. Um, you said that it, on, in the notes you sent me, says, it's a significant increase in range is meant to offset the reach of China's much touted PL-15 radar-guided air-to-air missile. Correct. What What does that mean specifically? Uh, okay, let's just say that well, what I forgot what the their, the Mighty Dragon, their version of the mm-hmm. twenty-two, the J twenty. Yeah. Uh, say that's completely like nose to nose with a thirty-five or one of our F twenty twos. We would be able to take them out with the 260 mm-hmm. before their air-to-air munition was within range and capability of hitting us. Okay. So that's essentially learning what their capes are and 
actually developing things intended to counter what they have, which is yeah. a lot of what the Chinese have, have done with a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, 100%. Developed. And then you can also keep them in mind, like, our aircraft's purpose is to be a sniper. So now mm -hmm. we more than doubled the range that we could take them out from. Right. Which so is fucking... that allows us just immense undetectability. Yeah. Which, of course, is much limiting the survivability of an enemy aircraft. You can't even see what's coming at you. Right. So, yeah. Um, limits their survivability, increases our survivability, increases our mission capabilities. Right. So, the upgrade is going off the notes. You said the upgrade you wrote down about the F 35 engine to have a 30% more fuel efficiency in you know terms of like nautical miles like what does that mean oh man what's it on our range currently? let me get the let me get the googled f-35 range so we're just going off of that yeah it's like uh 1350 miles on google it says 1200 and this is off this is an answer off of quora right so we'll just use that as a round number because obviously it's that's 12, not going to be 12 1200 miles is the navy the c model okay. Okay. Our a, our a models is like 1350. So, gotcha. And I did not I did not ask. That. I just said F35. I didn't give specifics. Yeah. I okay. mean, so let's just use the round number that Google gives us, right? So Yeah, so 30% higher. I mean, that's right. What? 360 miles more right there alone. That's good. Yeah. So the this is is that part of the uh block 4 upgrade? Uh, so block four is just specifically all the avionics systems. So okay. our competing power, uh, we have what's called a CNI rack and more or less like, just like a computer. There's like tons of slots, cards go in them. Like a server well, rack. Yeah. That server rack is going to be double the size and there's two of them and both of them are getting upgraded. So like the capability for computing and processing information is going mm -hmm. to increase a, approximately 500 percent mm -hmm. that's funny and, that's I mean, yeah that's i want to say you can find that on lockheed's website right now yeah so, probably yeah it listed as uh the source for that um the agm once 186 alpha is that the one that you were discussing before the arrow yeah the arrow so, isn't that dude, the one that they killed a while not ago a lot I of thought? info on that didn't they kill that program or they said they killed that program maybe like a year and a half, two years ago? Dude, like I remember That's... them saying they like, oh, we're back in like 17. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're giving up on this program. And then again, in 19, they're like, we're shutting down this program. And in 21, they talked about shutting it down again. I was like, how many times are you going to shut it down? Right. Just like how many times are you going to retire the F-117? Mm-hmm. Like the CIA is flying, flying them today. Yeah. Like, I think it was this most recent budget. If you read into it, it actually finally cut all funding for the 117. But it's it was pretty, allegedly retired in like 2004. Dude. Something like that. Yeah. It's pretty spectacular considering, you know, how long that aircraft has been relevant oh, compared yeah. to other countries around the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, take that in, into consideration for this 118. Six Alpha, like the Arrow, mm -hmm. uh, it was hypersonic testing for the better half of ten years. I think. Mm -hmm. um, Is this one meant to be another air to air? Aside from 
Yeah, it could be air to air or air to ground. But uh, at one point, Lockheed had stated that it was going to be the proper size to fit one in each weapons bay of a 35. Okay. So, I mean, that was open air information for a little while, Mm -hmm. I think two years ago. Yeah. So before I technically got on the 35 program. But yeah, like uh, there's a disclosed top speed. It just says 15,000 miles per hour plus. Mm -hmm. And uh, wild enough, like some of the information that I was able to find on it disappeared within the last 60 days. Like it disappeared off the Internet? Like I can't find it anywhere with any search engine on any platform. That's weird. Yeah. Hmm. Like, I wonder why that would happen. Maybe it wasn't like an accidental, like somebody fucking put some shit out there that they weren't supposed to. Is it? Uh, the only thing I could think of is like, oh, there's probably further development. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let's okay. let's scrap what information we're putting out and just we'll say, like, oh, it got canceled again. Mm-hmm. I mean, what better way to mislead the enemies than tell them like, yeah, we, we failed at this. Yeah. Like how many Navy programs have allegedly been shut down because they failed? And yeah. you see all these articles like China succeeded where the U.S. couldn't. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. They absolutely <laughs> didn't. Yeah. What would you say is like from everything you know and can talk about, right, legally, is probably the most beneficial upgrade you see for the 35 or any of the munition systems, radar system, what would you say is probably the most beneficial upgrade? Oh, man. Uh, I think hands down, the biggest thing is the computing capabilities increasing to utilize mm-hmm. what the APG 85 is going to be capable of. Okay. So, like, targeting, like, infrared search and track targeting of up to 250 targets actively being tracked all at once and having the computing power to process that information and connect with 250 munitions all at once and be able to attack, like, target and launch them all at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's insane. That is. Like, dude, China doesn't even have 250 SAMs along their coastline, I don't think. So yeah, I don't know. just imagine one think. single jet being able to take them all out. Right. Let's see. How many SAM sites does China have? Let's see what Google says, right? Yeah, it says right here. Yeah. The countries with the most containing the most SAM sites. Let's see. China says 108. That's what it says. Surface to air yeah. SAM sites. So like imagine one Weirdly, single says jet Egypt just has, the floor with you. Right. It says uh Egypt has the most with three fifty seven. That's kind of fucking nuts. <laughs> what the fuck? I was not <laughs> expecting to see them on there. You know what I mean? Maybe they're a little more worried about Israel than we uh think. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Dude. That's got to be, that's got to factor into their thinking for sure. Just flood them with fucking missiles. But um, what are the, yeah, some of the, like, so that right there, what you just said, flooding with missiles, air saturation, like that's actually a big thing. Like that 100% part of the mission and scope of capabilities is just being able to have enough aircraft in the air to completely saturate the air with so many missiles. And again, like you brought up Rapid Dragon. That combined with other aircraft in the air, 
put more in the air than they're capable of knocking down so that every intended target is still hit. So essentially like making it impossible to defend. Yeah. Okay. Like that is a very real cap- capability. And at the same time, though, like that's also China's goal. Air saturation yeah, yeah. when trying to take out a strike group, which is why we want to be able to do this without going within that range. Like their area of denial, we don't want to have to even access it. Yeah. Except for by putting in a couple of stealth aircraft. Like, oh, cool, cool, guys. You got your area of denial here. Um, Fun fact, we're already in it with a couple jets you don't even see, and we're about to knock out everything you fucking have all at once. But again, um, hypothetically, that's if the gloves are off. Who knows? Mm-hmm. They might just... Some fucking congressmen and senators might devise some plan with the president and be like, yeah, we're just gonna... We just wanna, you know, maybe give them a little taste. Little and then who that. knows? They retaliate with fucking nukes. Like, Mm-hmm. Hey guys, you fucked up. Now we're screwed. Yeah, hey Bob, me and uh, Jim just got back from lunch where we stuck our finger in each other's asses and we came up with this idea. Um, we're not going to do what we probably should do and we're going to go like at quarter speed and we're going to create a bunch of issues down the road for everybody involved so that when the time comes where we have to reap what we sow, we're going to use the only thing we have left, which is a sledgehammer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds about right. So what characteristics with the uh, APG-85 like, are probably the most um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, I, ke- I keep saying beneficial, but like, which one – some of these characteristics are the most useful um, for a Pacific conflict? Man, so most useful I think would be jamming. Okay. Uh, not only does it do all this tracking and targeting, mm-hmm. but it can jam – SAMs, it can jam air-to-air missiles, air-to-ground missiles, it can jam everything. If Mm -hmm. it uses any form of radar, it can jam the absolute dog shit out of it to where it's rendered useless. So, so I'm genuinely kind of ignorant on a lot of this and how it works. The fact that one of these SAMs is like the DF-17, right, is moving at hypersonic speed, does that affect its capability to jam its signal, like the speed of which it may feel like? No? No, not at all. Like, once those radio waves are in the air to jam the signal, like, Mm -hmm. the speed's irrelevant. It's still getting jammed. It's going to lose its target. Okay. So, at that point, it's just going to be a glide vehicle. Okay. Yeah, and just land wherever the fuck it's going to end up landing. Yeah. So, you know how, like, um, you can... There's certain like guns, right, that you have to, you can point, I keep, I use guns, but like for drones, you know, if there's one in the air, you can point, you know, a drone buster at it and you can kind of guide it down to like wherever you want it to land so you can collect it. This is yeah. something like capability wise similar to that with like some of these radar jamming techniques where like you can knock it off course and like make it land at these coordinates specifically where it doesn't have to worry about hitting anything that we don't want it to hit. I mean, so... I would like to say that capability exists, but then mm-hmm. you've got to factor in like our flight time, the trajectory of the aircraft and the radar. Mm-hmm. So okay. you don't want to be like, say, focused in going this way when there's other targets out here. Mm-hmm. Got you. So makes sense. More or less, it's just jam it, get it dropped, make it useless and mm-hmm. press on to everything else. Makes sense. And um, the other thing that like open information, it it doesn't say truly but it kind of leaves the the idea out there to be creative and like wonder but it does state that they can jam multiple things at once 
Mm-hmm. So use your imagination. Like, hmm, if we could target 250 things at once, I wonder how many it can jam at once. I mean, logic would say if 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 targeting and jamming are one coin and they're just sides on two different sides on the same coin, that you would at least be able to jam 250 things if you can target 250 things. I mean, yeah, possibly. My, my non-fucking engineer, you know, brain trying to make logical sense of all this stuff, you know. Yeah. And that's just what is, you know, open source, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's pretty crazy, man. So see here, too, you said that the according to the production plan, 35 uh, acquired by Poland, Belgium, and Finland will all have the new Block 4 upgrade. Oh, yeah. Like, we're hooking the homies up. Yeah. We don't want to be the only ones that are capable of doing all this. Okay. So they're getting yeah. the exact same shit. Like, it's not like where we're like, okay, well, here's 80% of it. And this last 20% that's like super Gucci, we're keeping for ourselves. Yeah, no, they, they bought in to all of it with us. Okay. Which in turn lowers the cost for us per unit, which is a good thing. That is true. And uh, like those countries you just listed, mm-hmm. dude, they're here training with our pilots. Yeah. In the air every day. Like they're already like mm-hmm. full fledged balls deep with this program. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, if some of the joint bases I've been to I see they all have their own squadrons and shit like that, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I know that's one of the things that they've talked about with NGAD is it needs to be a hell of a lot cheaper than the money they spent on the thirty five and the and the twenty two. Um, do you know like how they intend on cutting costs? Have you heard anything like that? <laughs> I mean in reality, the only way to cut costs is there's two ways that I'm aware of is a have such a massive fucking contract that the companies are like, yeah, you know, we'll cut costs because you're buying so many, like fucking bulk buying something at Home yeah. Depot. Oh, yeah, the price is going to go down, buddy. Right. You know, and again, that's how it works when you have mission partners. So if we don't, if it's the same thing as a 22, like we don't sell it to any partner nations. Mm-hmm. I mean, Odds are it's going to be astronomically expensive. Some of the numbers that I've seen and heard is like upwards of three hundred fifty million per jet. Yeah, man, that's yeah, a lot of quiche. Like astronomically large. Like the Air Force is not going to have a budget for that. I don't. I don't know. Gonna have to come from somewhere. Maybe some of these fucking colonels and generals that drop six hundred dollars every three months on a new fucking leather place to put their ass are gonna have to settle with the. Same shit that the uh, staff sergeant running installation security is sitting in. Save some money, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be, yeah, there's gonna have to be a lot of analysis for cutting costs all over the place. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, hey guys, we're not gonna have Wilson basketballs at the gym anymore. You're gonna get the fucking Walmart ones, (laughs) bro. They may as fucking well, dude. They got single ply toilet paper in the bathroom. You know, you stick your finger down there to fucking wipe your ass and end up using your finger. You know, with the toilet paper. Dude, yeah, after- I will I will say our pilots fly uh-huh. and operate out of the same facility as us. And yeah. we got some Gucci toilet paper. Dude, that's what's up, dog. They got the quilt quilted northern. Uh it, it's got the little waved edges, all right. fancy. It's actually, you know, doesn't feel like it's just off the fresh off the tree, you know. Maybe there's a little <laughs> linen in here or something like that. Get your get your butthole nice nice and uh, soft, not all raw, right? It's got the built-in aloe. They, dude, absolutely. That's the shit. <laughs> no, man, how many times have you not been able to print some shit because the printer was out of fucking toner and you don't have any more in the squadron? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've never. I don't know. I feel like you probably oh, no, have. I've been there. Yeah. Oh, when, yeah. I was in, 
dude, when I was an instructor, mm-hmm. like our training detachments yeah. under AETC are like the last line of funding. Mm-hmm. We had physical years while I was an instructor where they're like, hey, you guys have uh, 1500 bucks for the next 12 months. Like, dog, that's <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. We need a new fucking printer, scanner, you know, fax machine, whatever the fuck. Nope. Sorry. Figured out. Smoke signals, bitch. Yeah, like I was the curriculum manager and mm-hmm. anything we need that pertains to curriculums, like I can't print a lesson plan because the printer broke. Yeah, and my ass is going to every single person that sends me students. And I'm just like, hey, uh, we need some funding assistance from you. And like all these people I have to go to straight up group commanders. So like full bird colonels, little staff sergeant fuckbag walking in like, hey, buddy, you want to send me some money? Swipe that card for me. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, Luckily, I know, we man. have civilians out there and the civilians dude, like, man, the Warner Robins air logistics complex, mm-hmm. <laughs> like crazy blew my mind. 100% ran by this like old ass lady, like a female Joe Biden, but she's completely sane. She's got all the marbles. Mm-hmm. And did you ask her for something? And just imagine this little old white lady. Cindy Aguilar, like this lady just turns around. Oh, why didn't you just say so, honey? I'm like, That'd oh, be nice. Yeah, I, uh, we also needed a, an awning put over our F-16 that's out on the pad. So your civilians that come train out there don't get sunburned. And she's like, well, how much is that? And I was like, oh, we ran a bunch of numbers. The cheapest one we could find was 40 grand. And she'd look at me. She's like, hold oh, dang on, baby. Why don't you get two? And I'm like, what? What, what kind of funding do you have, lady? All of it, God's money. Yeah, like ALC depot for uh, seven different airframes. So mm-hmm. like he had like bottomless pockets. That's awesome, dude. Up, yeah, she ended up being like the go-to source for money. I have literally never worked anywhere with funding like that. Ever. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, hey, like, like even in the thirty-five program, we don't have funding like that. Yeah. No, I was gonna say like legitimately, I've been told we don't have any more money to buy printer paper, and I have had to go to the BX or Walmart to buy printer paper. That's fucking retarded. Yeah, I mean, I've been in a situation, but instead, I just went to other units on the base and found their extra, and I was like, "Oh, hey, uh, yeah, so and so sent me over here to snag this from you guys." And, oh, okay. How many did you need? I was like, "Well, we were told to get half of what you got." And they're like, "Oh, well, we've got a uh, four boxes. I guess we could spare two. And I was like, "Hey, I was told half, dude." Yeah. <laughs> I take those two boxes and leave. They have no idea. They don't even know who I am. Listen, man, when you're on maze of security forces and you're doing those building checks and you find a, a building unsecure, you got to walk through to make sure there's nobody in there doing shit they're not supposed to do. But, oh, my God, look at all this free printer paper. Maybe that happens. <laughs> maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, I Can't mean, really say. Can't really say. Might have been, might have been our stand-up at Okinawa back in 2013 for the yeah. uh, J-Stars. Like, oh, hey, um, so-and-so told us we could check out this building. Next thing you know, we're coming back with mini fridges and a ping pong table, all Dude. kinds of shit. Dude, I fucking, uh, somewhere I used to work, we uh, I had an NCO. We would find the same building unsecure all the fucking time. And um, because it happened so often, he just started taking a chair from the building every time it happened. And we, there was like on the back half of the base, there was like an old, like conventional storage unit that just you could get into. Nothing was in there. I think at one point there was like 30 chairs in there. And like, they were like, what the fuck is going on with these fucking chairs? That's what he was doing. Every time we would find this building insecure, he just took another chair. 
And we just, we just oh, driving them over to the fucking conventional store, old conventional storage unit that no one uses anymore and putting these fucking chairs in, in the unit just to fuck with them. You know, <laughs> I thought that was, that was some of the funniest shit I'd ever seen, dude. Oh, Cause man. like, it's like slowly like, where, where are all these fucking chairs going to? I don't know. That's fucking weird. You know, but yeah, no, they're in a fucking building on the other side of base. But, um, anyway, what other, uh, is there any other upgrades or shit about like, some of our hypersonic programs that, um, you know, you know about maybe you didn't include in the notes. I mean, what's in the notes is all Pretty I could much find everything online safe that to I talk could, about. Uh, talk yeah, about. Let's, let's not go in that, in that realm at all. Yeah. Like, like I said, though, a couple of things you like leave the, for interpretation with your imagination. Mm-hmm. No, dude, I believe me. My imagination runs with a lot of this stuff and that's exactly why I wanted to have you on here and, you know, discuss about it because, you know, there is a lot of information out there to run with the hypersonics thing that, I mean, you can just Google, you know, is, is the U.S. behind China with hypersonics? And there's all this stuff that will come up and says yes and that it is and, you know, that has been the the running answer for a long time that the u.s is far behind the chinese on on um, hypersonics but like one i found recently was a wall street journal article and it said that the u.s is far behind china and russia and hypersonics and i was reading them talking about how we're behind russia and i was just like giggling to myself because a lot of the shit that they were talking about first off is extremely surface level information right oh, yeah. um I mean, you giving more technical info in this conversation than like this Wall Street Journal article that is making these aspersions that the U.S. is this far behind and everybody should be really concerned about it and all this other stuff, right? Um, I mean, they're also more concerned with what's going to catch people's attention, what's going to have headlines and get everybody all fucking riled up and panicked. And for sure, but that is that's the general consensus when you go online that that's what people think, you know. And to the layman, like learning about like the Russian Kinzel. They think, oh, that's it. That's a, you know, they've, they've fielded the Kinzel in, in modern warfare and they blew something yeah. up, you know, in, in Ukraine with it. And then you actually take the time to learn about what it is and you learn that it's essentially a fucking pig with lipstick on it, you know, is, is kind of funny, you know, but I, how far, my question to you is, I don't think we're behind the Russians in hypersonic technology. Um, but I do think we're probably somewhat behind the chinese um would that assertion be true and if so like where are we to your estimation behind uh so i would say we're not behind okay uh, in any aspect okay um i can't i can't back that up with information yeah just be general yeah just be general Mm -hmm. i can just say with what i know uh we're not behind I just can't provide the information and prove this without yeah. a doubt on any platform. No doubt. Uh, on that same note, too, is uh, I think we're doing a good job at making people think like we're in for a shitstorm when truly we have a capability to not be. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a matter of like, will the politicians hold us back? Yeah, that's a big question, man. Shit, we could just jump into fucking talking about that. Um, yeah, like that's I mean, honestly you, our biggest weakness, our politicians. The absolutely. Supreme Court just fucking five to four voted to, you know, yeah. open our border. Like I saw that. What, what the hell is that? So here's the thing, man. Um, 
I think it's just become so political that these fucking loser diaper wearers in fucking Washington, D.C. only give a shit about their political bottom line. They don't actually care about anything um, that's actually going on because it just appeals to the people that are going to fucking vote for them. And those people are just as misinformed um, as anybody, really. You know, they know what they're doing, these guys in, in oh, Washington yeah. or wherever. Um, so it's really disappointing. Uh, I did, however, see today that, and I saved it so we could have a conversation about it, but that um, Governor Abbott of Texas put a, a letter out essentially saying that uh, Texas is going to keep doing what it's doing to secure um, the border. And he cited a few things from the Constitution, which I am going to read um, because I think it's really important for everybody to to understand. Right. So this is directly from Governor Greg Abbott's letter uh, dated today. So James Madison, Alexander Hamilton and the other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that the state should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. That is why the framers included both Article 4, Section 4, which promises that the federal government, in quote, shall protect each state against invasion, and Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which acknowledges the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders. And that Arizona versus the United States, 2012, Judge Scalia uh, determined the constitutional, uh, you know, validity of that. So essentially claiming that the state's... Um, now have to do what they have to do to maintain their sovereignty because the federal government is failing to uh, protect them. Right. Yeah, um, 100%. Like that's the purpose of their national guard. Absolutely. And it is, it is so blatantly obvious that this isn't happening. Um, no matter how much, like I just saw like Peter Ducey, um, you know, talking to, uh, at the, at the press room the other day, basically asked, like, why did you vote to, you know, make it harder for, Americans to keep some of these immigrants out of out of our country, these illegal immigrants out of our country. And his his answer about moving barbed wire was was it so that the border patrol can do their job. Well, that's fucking bullshit. There's you're not going to sit there and tell me the reason why they voted that way is so that this barbed wire could get moved so the border patrol could go and do their job because they're not doing their job the way that a lot of people would would like them to be doing their job. And I'll say this, too. And this is really the root of a lot of problems. You can sit there and say that you're doing your job within the parameters that you're supposed to be performing your job at and that the Border Patrol gets federal orders and they have to do what they're told to do. It has come to the point, in my opinion, that if what you're being told to do is to allow an invasion of our country, that that is no longer a lawful order. And you and I both understand what that means. If I get ordered to do something, and I just want to say too that being ordered to do something in the military is is an actual process. It's not something. Obviously, if I tell you or or my commander tells me to go do something, I have to do it, and there's ramifications for not doing it as long as it's a lawful order, right? But there's a difference between being told to go execute and this is an order. This needs to happen, right? If the orders you're being given are to allow an invasion, then it sounds like you probably shouldn't be fucking doing that. So to me, the answer of I'm just doing my job is no longer valid. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I, I agree to that. You're being complacent 
with what I would consider is a treasonous order, like mm-hmm. allowing our country to be invaded by who knows who. Mm-hmm. To me, that's treason. Like you are directly impacting our sovereignty, the safety of Americans, the safety of the state that they're flowing into. Mm-hmm. We just had that video of that terrorist oh, yeah. who was in yeah. prison for 12 years. Right. Of, like very confidently saying, you're not smart enough to know who I am, mm-hmm. but soon you will know who I am. Yep. Yeah. It turns out he's somebody who was trafficking munitions and all kinds of like really bad shit 12 years ago. Spent 12 right. years in prison, just right. got released in 2023 mm-hmm. and shows up at our fucking Mexico border. Dude, that's not a coincidence. How fucking lucky is it that that person and funded by probably one of our nation's enemies in the Middle East? Dude, how fucking lucky is it that somebody was standing in that exact spot to catch that piece of shit on camera saying that? And he's so fucking arrogant that he said that on camera. And then when that guy tries to basically call him out of it, he's like, no, 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 no. I am more humble than that. I'm more humble than that. Like, no, you're fucking not at all. I hope that guy, dude. If that guy isn't in jail for the rest of his life, that's a fucking should be a fucking crime. But uh, yeah. th- the point I'm getting at is is we're past the point of saying, well, I'm I'm a federal entity. I'm just being I'm just doing what I'm told to do. Uh, you know, if you're enforcing laws that are harming Americans, if you're enforcing laws that are aiding and abetting the enemy, then that is no longer a lawful order. And you saying that you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing as a federal entity is no longer valid, in my opinion. And I am sure there are plenty of Border Patrol agents who are thinking the same way. They're sick and tired of this. And yeah. you know, we had we had Vince Vargas on talking about his book, Borderline. And one of the things I really appreciated about him coming on and talking about it is that he humanized the mission that the Border Patrol agents have because at the same time, oh, yeah. there are legitimate people trying to escape from you know, cartels and poverty and, you know, trying to make a better life for themselves. And, you know, he is 100% right in that the process to legally immigrate to our country needs to be better and easier for those people. And, you know, when you're, when you're seeing the mother with three kids come across the border, you know, and they are legitimately here just trying to find a better life, like you have to be a person and any person you know, who experiencing that would have a heart and say, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, this, this lady and her kids deserve our help. Right. But that's not, that's not it. This isn't grandma. This isn't fucking, you know, just everybody coming across as a, as a wife or, or, or a woman with a couple of kids, you know, you look and you see all these people, a lot of them are male. Right. And I know you can make the argument that they're all military aged, which is true, but at the same time, you know, the same, same, you know, token, they are also of age to be looking for work as well. So you can make both sides of that argument, you know, but, you know, just to me, we're at the point now where if you're being, I I might be talking in circles here, but you 100% have to make a decision. Are you going to be that person who's going to stay in that uniform and be told what to do? And as, as a federal employee, and essentially allow our country to be invaded and whatever else you're being told that harms the United States and its people? Or are you going to take a stand and not do this shit and allow it to happen? Because that's what's really going to make changes. Like You can get told what to do all day. If no one does it because it's harming our country, then what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... My hope would be that hopefully, collectively, everybody 
denies to follow these orders that are going to be harming our nation. Because if you don't have a border, you're not a sovereign nation. There's nothing mm-hmm. differentiating yeah. you from where they're coming from. Yeah. And on the, I mean, in the same breath, though, I would also state, like, I grew up in Central California, surrounded by farmland. Mm-hmm. I knew tons of people straight up. They're like, yeah, we're just here for the summer. Like, I made friends straight up. Like, oh, yeah, I'm here with my dad, but we're just here for the summer while he works. We're staying mm-hmm. at my uncle's house. Mm-hmm. We're staying at, you know, whoever's house. And then into summer, crops are done getting picked. They're gone. So there is tons of military-aged males mm-hmm. look, that just come here for work, trying exactly. to better their families in whatever country they came from. And A, border needs to be secure. But B, we also have to have a better system. Like, mm-hmm. there's got to be a way that we can let these people in because it benefits our economy. It benefits them. It benefits Americans. There's no downside to it. But B, we also need to be able to prevent like that terrorist who confidently was damn near making threats, prevent mm-hmm. him from getting through. Literally making threats, so, implied threats. Yeah. Like there there has to be a better system put in place that's just not gonna be completely screwed up by bureaucracy. Yeah, man. I mean, look at the the fucking immigration app that um you know the Biden administration came up with. Are you familiar with it? Essentially, yeah. you you download this app and you get access to free hotel. You get access to train rides if you don't want to fly, because that's exactly what's happening too. They're they're paying for these commercial airlines to fly illegal immigrants around the country to go to places. Yeah. you know, and this is this is not like it's just coming out of some fucking endless pool of money. It's it's taxpayer money. You're paying yeah. for this shit to happen. You're funding this shit going on, and um, you know. The fact that there's a fucking immigration app that just basically is a free fucking ticket to come in here. Why the hell would anybody want to actually immigrate the way they're supposed to when you can already just walk across the border, essentially, in certain places? You can use this app. you to do it the wrong way. Right. Exactly. You have to incentivize the correct way by making it a process that is accessible, isn't this long drawn out process that is almost near impossible for you to, to go through so that you become a citizen in the United States. It's yeah, like, the, but here's the, the thing, the money, the phone, the, the healthcare, food, everything yep. that they're getting for being hundred percent illegal. Mm-hmm. Why is that not allocated to the people doing it the right way? Like it should be completely flip flop. Like, Hey, if you do it the right way, you get all these things to help you get on your feet. Yeah. And become an American and yeah. contribute to America. You do it the wrong way, you get fucking nothing. And if we catch you, you're gone. You get deported. Yeah. Well, dude, that's like some of these fucking um, the things that we I know we you and I have talked about on Instagram, like those the murder the murder and rape that recently happened in Maryland with the um, yeah. unfortunately that autistic girl. She was strangled with a fucking telephone telephone cord. Yeah, like, like dude, this that is brutal. Yeah, this is a MS-13 member who's been in the United States and been deported multiple times. There was a DUI I saw that have happened that was a, that killed a, a mother and a son. That person has had, had like six DUIs in Mexico and already had had multiple in the United States and was still on the fucking road driving. Like, how yeah. the fuck, dude, if that was you or I, we'd be in fucking jail. Like, like dude, the fact I feel like that, we don't work with the Mexican government enough at all. Well, that's the like, thing, they man. Be one, they're next to us. Why are they not our biggest fucking ally? The point, well, that's a good question too. And you could have a whole ass conversation about the United States and Mexico's relationship and why we should be closer. 
But yeah. we're talking about this as if somebody in the position to make decisions to actually make this stuff happen and fix these problems is actually interested in making it happen and fixing these problems. And I think what's going on and everything you can see in the news, and everything that's going on, that that's not the case. They don't want to actually fix these issues because it. it I honestly do think that they want to flood these people in our country. They do want to make them voters. And the other thing with it too is that they, if they aren't able to necessarily make them voters on a census, they're going to say, okay, well, this state now has X number of additional people because of these immigrants to our country who are seeking asylum or whatever. And because of that, this state, this blue state now has more seats and the way they vote their electoral college votes now holds more weight because this population is just numbers. It's not based on whether they can actually vote. It's just based on numbers. And that, yep. you know, is, I think is also a goal that, um, you know, doesn't get said a lot too, but I do, I think that's, that's the plan, man, is they want to help these people come into the country so that they can prolong their terms in office and prolong this political globalist agenda that clearly uh, the U S government is, is pushing on everybody or trying to push on everybody. Okay. I mean, me personally, it's like a game of chess, man. They're just making exactly, moves dude. now to Perfect. prepare for the future so that they mm -hmm. can retain power and retain the decision making for our laws and what you know, I mean, whatever else that they're trying to do that we don't know about. A lot of it seems very greed based, mm -hmm. which is pretty shitty. Yeah. Dude, I mean that's greed is the root of a lot of things, but oh, yeah. um I saw too that uh today that some Democrats are essentially asking for Biden to take control over the Texas National Guard so that, you know, Governor Abbott can't do what he's trying to do. Yeah. Fun and, fact, that Democrat that said that in the first mm -hmm. place is a Texas congressman. Yeah. It's, like, dude, you you want to f screw your own state over? Yeah. Like what? How well, did yeah. you get elected? Political bottom line, right? They're fucking sucking off these people that pay pay them under the table. That's exactly what they're doing. They're just oh, yeah. supporting the political political bottom line of their party. They don't actually care. And there's people out there that fucking shill for these losers. And they want every bit of it without even fucking thinking about what they're actually asking for. You know? Yeah. And I would hope, again, right, that the Texas Air National or Texas National Guard leadership would have the fucking balls to get at what I was saying before and say, no, we're not fucking doing that, even if you try to exercise some sort of authority over us and say, now you belong to me because at yeah, this point, like they'd have to put everybody on title 10 orders to make them mm -hmm. federally paid and controlled. Well, exactly. I was just about to say, and you know, what's going to fucking happen if that happened, they're not going to start paying these guys the way they put fucking should probably, you know what I mean? There's yeah. all kinds of different overlaps and fucking ways. They don't meet the requirements anyway, but no, I really want to make it clear like that is that's my opinion, man. Like it is we are now past the time where it is it is okay to just say this is my job and you know, I'm just gonna keep doing this even though it is one hundred and ten percent fucking our country over. And I would hope that there are enough men and women in this country with a conscious and a love for our country to stop doing this shit. And it isn't just about, you know, the the bottom line of, you know, Oh, it's just federal. This is just federal work. Like, no, yep. like now you need to be an American over that and be the person that is going to stand up to that shit and stop basically following unlawful orders. And hopefully that happens. Yeah. I saw that um, 
you know, Oklahoma, the governor of Oklahoma and the Oklahoma, or excuse me, the governor of Oklahoma and the governor of Georgia publicly said that they are um, 100% supporting Governor Abbott. What would be pretty fucking crazy is if they sent National Guardsmen from Oklahoma and Georgia to Texas to help out. Like, that would be pretty nice. I wouldn't put it past Georgia. I worked with the Air National Guard for the last 10 years there. And, dude, every single time another state needed help, Mm -hmm. boys were getting bust out, flown out with a quickness. Dude, that'd be amazing. Could you imagine having the Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia National Guard standing there in solidarity on the fucking border there, Texas and Mexico, and stopping this shit from happening? That would be amazing. That's the kind of shit Hopefully that we like want to chain see. reaction too. get other states to be like, dude, they're already doing it. Like I'm fuck, I'm in. That's what I'm Full saying, state. man. If, if Texas becomes this like lockdown border where, you know, people aren't coming across, obviously some of these people trying to come over are going to say, okay, well we got to go to New Mexico or we got to go to Arizona to come across. And hopefully that, lights a fire under the asses of these people in Arizona and New Mexico to start doing something similar. And once again, it just boils down to, man, no one is coming to fucking save you. If you think the government is going to intervene, if you thought the government was going to intervene to stop this from happening, clearly they're not going to. You have to take matters into your own hand. And I, you know, hats off to Governor Abbott and the governors from Oklahoma and Georgia for saying, you know, we're not standing for this shit anymore. We're standing up for the United States and doing the right fucking thing because that's exactly what the right fucking thing is. Yeah, dude, that's what, it's always prepare for the worst, but hope mm-hmm. for the best. Like if yes. you are an able-bodied person, I don't care, mm-hmm. man, female, whatever the fuck, if you are able-bodied, train with fucking purpose, have intent behind every movement you make, and prepare for the worst. Like, dude, that means eating right, getting to the gym, being active, training yourself in whatever you need to to be an absolute asset and not mm-hmm. just a freaking. You know, drop tragedy. Yeah. No, man. I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You have to be that person. It, now is not the time to fucking sit on your ass and eat donuts and, and Doritos and just become a fat blob. You know, <laughs> they're fat liability. Exactly. You know, uh, something that Aaron Love said on, on, on here was, don't be a fucking loot drop. Don't be that guy that hey, just sits no, there and yeah, collects all this strange. fucking shit. You, yeah, man, I got all these, like this plate carrier and all this fucking, you know, Gucci shit that I, you know, bought to gear up and look like a fucking operator and I got all these weapons and shit, but I've got no cardio. I don't know anything about anything. And dude, you just, you know, you're just a fucking liability, like you said, but. Oh yeah. Cause um, I mean, odds are, you're not going to want to stay in the middle of the city if shit's going down. Like you're going to get up in oh, some absolutely. terrain. Yeah. And Oh, guess what? You're out of shape. Cool. You're fucked. you're fucking dead. Oh, yeah. you don't know topography? You're lost. You're going to die. You're not going to find water. You're not going to find shelter. Yeah. You're not going to be capable of making a shelter if you can't find it. Well, here, like, you it makes have me... to be prepared. You have it to be that asset. Absolutely. It makes me think of the beginning of fucking Zombieland where he talks about how the fatties died first because they couldn't run from the fucking zombies. <laughs> dude, absolutely. Exactly, dude. That's it, man. Fucking time for donuts is over. But uh, oh, yeah. you know, what would you say, dude, like to or what do you think about like as a father raising kids? Like, What do you do to prep your kids for the worst, like you said, you know, and and get them ready for the world, essentially the world that we seemingly are heading towards? I mean, so a I don't I mean, my kids are young. I'm not telling them to think about these things. Oh, my yeah. Son's no, no, no. Seven. My, yeah. my oldest is 10. Like, 
I give her, her like the real deal sometimes. And I tell her flat out, like, Hey, the reason you're going to be in this club is so that you can shoot bows and arrows every day after school, come home, we'll practice at home. I'm going to get you your first rifle this year. You're 10 now. Uh, I mean, I've already taken her shooting in the past. She knows Mm -hmm. firearm safety. My son's next at seven, you know, would have taught him sooner, but, uh, I don't know. Just didn't feel right yet. Mm-hmm. Sure. But uh, their archery is a very real skill that they mm-hmm. actively need to know. And uh, somebody you've had on here, Joe, like I talk to him about it all the time. I should, I sent him pictures of the kids at their school mm-hmm. in the archery club. It's freaking awesome. That's one that of the cool. Arizona kudos for is the archery club after school is dope. That is cool. And, uh, you know, my oldest, like I'm telling her all the time, like, we need to, like, we're not practicing it yet because she doesn't want to. She doesn't feel ready. But I'm like, you need to know how to, like, at least these rabbits that are out here, kill them, skin them, and harvest the organs and the meat. Like, mm-hmm. this has to be something you got to be able to do. And I tell, like, I don't tell her, like, oh, you know, there's going to be some crazy war. I'm yeah, going to no, die. No, no, but I'm no. like, I just tell her straight up, like, what if, you know, mommy doesn't have the ability to do this because, you know, you've got a baby sister that she's taking care of. and you have these skills and you're the one that's feeding the family because I'm gone. I just tell her a hypothetical, like, Hey, what if I'm deployed mm-hmm. and something crazy happens and you have to be able to do this? Can you do it? If she tells me no, I'm like, all right, so how do we fix that? I let her think of a pr- like the solution for herself and mm-hmm. then we work towards it. That's what I'm getting at. Like, obviously like we're not going to fucking walk up to our kids and be like, Hey, listen, world war three is coming. There's going to be an EMP. Oh, yeah. you, know, all this, you know, you know, we're going to say shit like that. Right. But like the things you're talking about, like preparing your kids for, you know, what other things do you like take into consideration with like the um, the emotional, spiritual upbringing when you're you're talking to your children, you're raising your kids, you know, what sort of things do you go through like as a father, like checklist wise, trying to prep them and just get them ready to be solid human beings, man. Oh man, like dude, that's that's the hardest part when they're young. It, I mean, I tell them all the time. I'm like, I'm gonna be honest with you. This should not hurt your feelings. Like, I need you to understand that you can get through this without Mm -hmm. it hurting your feelings. Like, this is something super little. It's simple. Don't let it bother you. Shrug it off. We need to be able to keep pressing on. Mm -hmm. Because if this, it's not like you're getting upset about not being able to get what you want right now. You're in for the long haul, man. Like, life's going to suck. Like, I tell my son that all the time when he gets upset about something. Like, dude, the rest of your life will suck if this one little thing bothers you now. Mm-hmm. Like we need to learn that this is not a big deal, and he's pretty good. I about like that picking up on that stuff. That's smart, man. Uh, you know, that's something you don't see a lot of kids have that ability to do is get, get past stupid little inconveniences. I mean, fuck, there are a ton of adults that can't get past super, you know, little teeny inconveniences. So, no, yeah, really, dude, that's why there's videos all over the internet of dudes blowing up in public about dumb ass shit like parking spaces. Mm-hmm. shooting somebody over a parking spot like i've seen that like dude, yeah i know you have zero emotional control if you don't have control of your emotions they're controlling you 100%. you're already a liability to right. everyone around you because you're like just something that's unpredictable yeah who knows what's going to set you off because you grew up in a sheltered home where you never had hardship you never had to deal with any emotional distress yeah. And you're in the real world as an adult and everything is just fucking you up. That's a solid answer, man. I mean, that's that's certainly really hard, especially when you consider 
if you're raising your children to be that way, to me, they're becoming more of an exception to the rule than the rule, especially when you look at a lot of the children that walk around today. And just some of the, maybe some of the family members, you know, maybe that people have that have kids or the friends you've seen that are around, you know, it's pretty hard when you send your kids to public school to keep a lot of those influences out. Like, have you thought about that or experienced like having to keep some of those bad influences out? And if so, like, what do you do to try to keep that at bay? Yeah. So, I mean, luckily I haven't had to deal with that yet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure at some point I will. I mean, there Mm -hmm. are times where my daughter, my oldest, she's 10, she'll come home. She's like, well, so-and-so was able to get this. Why can't I? That's not fair. Mm -hmm. I'm like, first of all, let's discuss fair. Let's discuss our household because you live here in our household, not in hers. Mm -hmm. If she never learns how to earn something, guess what? She's not going to be set for the rest of her life. Like I'm trying, I tell my daughter all the time, I'm preparing you to be able to go out into the real world and succeed, mm-hmm. not lose one thing. And that one thing might be your job interview. You lose a job interview, you don't get hired. I don't want you sitting there bawling your eyes out that it's not fair. You didn't get hired. I want you to just be able to shrug it off and be like, all right, cool. Let's reattack somewhere else. Yeah. Where can I get better? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's opportunity to be better right you know we had i had a family member who has a daughter who is becoming a he's a preteen right becoming a teenager and she has a friend who has a lot more lenient parents and what she's allowed to do like for instance she has a cell phone and is able to get on tiktok and has access to all these social media sites which i think is way too young for an adolescent you know what i mean and uh yeah i mean it's a whole separate covers you know what the challenges that's one of them my daughter has straight up told me all of my friends have a cell phone i'm like cool well guess what you're still not gonna get one because i promise you none of those kids are responsible enough and she'll talk about her friend i'm like yeah guess what your friend used her phone all day in class and then it died before school was out what happens if she needed to make a phone call going Mm -hmm. home and it's an emergency and my daughter just looks at me kind of dumbfounded for a minute she's like oh I guess that emergency is going to be a bigger emergency now. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Because she was playing a game the whole time. I don't want you doing that. I want you to understand, like, yes, we have an additional cell phone, but it's for you and your brother to both use in the event that you need it. It stays Mm -hmm. turned off unless you need it. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I mean, that's a big challenge we ran into. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at, man. Like is, um, you know, this this friend has, again, like a smartphone and has access to all these social media apps. And, you know, when at school, sits there and watches all this shit on TikTok with her and gets jealous and wants it. And, you know, try to and, – and we've had conversations, you know, before, you know, with, with uh, you know, our niece or nephew about like, hey, listen, man, you just don't have the – the mental capacity to understand that there are people out there who can trick you into doing things or giving you information and and harming you, that there are actually people out there that want to do you harm. And that's unfortunate, but is, but it is reality. And that also trying to get an adolescent to understand that, you know, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook really aren't the best things for your mental health and your development. And I mean, you know how it is that I remember being a teenager and not being able to be told anything because obviously you think, you know, everything. But, you know, it's the one thing like my wife and I talked about is whatever the fuck cell phones look like when, you know, our kids are, are teenagers, right? If they indeed look the way they do now, 
you know, that we don't really necessarily want them to have a, a, a smartphone. You know, I am all for right now, if my son was a teenager, you know, or an adolescent and getting him a cell phone, but it's going to be one of those fucking flip phones or one of those phones that's super controlled that you can buy. That's literally just for families, for emergencies where, yep, here's, there are five numbers on this phone. It's me, your mom, 911, whatever the fuck else. And there you go. That's your cell phone. You can use it to call me, you know, because there isn't, there's not a need. Like I don't have, just be real with you, man. Like I have social media, obviously for the podcast, but there are plenty of things I do on my phone that I don't need that are strictly time killing entertainment, you know, time suckers. And that's just the way it is. You know, I don't need probably 90% of the shit I have on my phone. And that's just a reality. You know, how the fuck do you think people got along back in the day, you know, without cell phones, you know, they absolutely got along. We got to the point where we were developing cell phones. So, you know, it's just one of these things my wife and I have had a couple conversations about where we determined essentially that there's no need for our kids to have a, a smartphone, a cell phone, you know, unless it is for like what you said, emergency yeah. reasons to call mom and dad because you need something. Yeah, I mean, 100 percent, dude, I agree, because growing up, like early on, we didn't have cell phones. Mm-mm. Like we kind of I don't know where that exact age range where we were fortunate enough to grow up and see it all come to fruition like using mm-hmm. the Literally, first dude. little like nokia bricks like i don't know how many times skateboarding i had that thing in my pocket dude i had like welts on my leg from the phone beating the shit out of me when i hit the ground and mm-hmm. the phone comes out unscathed well yeah dude Freaking, dude I, I was wakeboarding forgot mm-hmm. it was in my pocket it survived the all wakeboarding day, all day at the lake wakeboarding man like I want to say we were out there for like 12 hours, sun up to sundown. Completely forgot it was in my pocket. Battery was still full. Phone still worked. Pulled it out. Started playing Snake while we were roasting marshmallows. Dude, even like, wet? Dude, it didn't amazing. get wet at all? No, it, it, dude, it got soaked. That's what I'm like, saying. Completely Holy shit. submerged. It was in my one of my zip-up pockets on my mm-hmm. board shorts while I was wakeboarding. Like That thing was submerged all day, every time I went down. Dude, how about a throwback to playing Snake, dude? That shit. Yeah, I know. Dude, I pulled that like, <laughs> I felt it in my pocket and mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, my phone. Well, and I pulled rude. that thing out and it, dude, perfect. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, dude, I'm going to play some snake while we roast these marshmallows. Dude, that's awesome. And like another yeah. time, dude, we were out, we went to the lake and I, we were fishing and I found one of those in the water and mm-hmm. you couldn't, there's no like lock screens or passwords back then. Yeah. yeah. I pulled this thing out of the lake, screen was lit up, still had a battery. And uh, just went through the contacts and found one that said wife, called it. And I was like, hey, uh, I just found this in the lake at Lake McSwain. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, my God, my dumbass husband was just up there all day fishing. And uh, I ended up just leaving it with the park rangers. And hopefully they came and got it. Dang, that's pretty wild, dude. I have no idea you get the phone. Like, I, I had an old Nokia like that, too. The fucking, you know, rectangle yeah. Twinkie size phone. That shit is indestructible. I had it forever. But uh, no, we're, you're absolutely right, man, that we're the generation, the millennials really are like that generation that we grew up without a lot of that shit and then grew into all of it. Like we watched the advent of social media happen. You know, we watched, oh, yeah. you know, it all evolve into what it is today. And um, we did not, we're not like a lot of these, you know, airmen, right? Just I like to reference them because they're the ones that have the most experience with that were born in 2003 or whatever. And they have never not known the internet. They have never not known online or whatever, you know, social media, oh, yeah. cell phone, all that stuff. It has been their life the whole time. But, you know, 
at the at risk of sounding like a fucking old goober. You know, I used to run around all the time over my neighborhood, dude. Like when we were stationed at Offit when I was a kid, we lived in off base um family housing, off base housing that was off base. And yeah. dude, right down the road, like if you went right on my house to the right and behind all the base housing, there was just this massive ass hill. And um, you know, to my fourth grade brain, it seemed massive. I have no idea how like actually big it is, but we called it Bigfoot for whatever fucking reason. And we used to ride our bikes down this hill. And at the bottom of the hill, okay, was like this strip mall where if you were to follow like the actual roads and go out to the main road and like drive all the way down to this strip mall, it was probably a 10 minute drive. But like this fucking just cruising out of this hill, it cut off like all of that. You know what I mean? Like cut the corner. And um, there was a Christian bookstore at the strip mall and we used to go in there. And I didn't know this. The kids that I made friends with that had been doing this forever for however long, right? Knew that if we went to the Christian bookstore, the fucking old lady that worked there would give us candy. Just come in there and she'd sit there 100%, bro. Like I'd sit there oh, and man. look at all the VeggieTales shit. You know, they had like a little TV in there. You remember, you ever seen VeggieTales? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the TV in there with the, you know, VeggieTales and sit there and she'd give us fucking, she gave us like these little like crosses one time and shit. But bro, you know how far I was from home? That is a 10 minute drive in a car and I'm in fourth grade. You know what I mean? And just, I, I saw all kinds of fucking weirdo people, dude. There was one time when we went down this hill and on our way back up, some fucking dude came out of the fucking trees that one of my friends had met this guy before and gave the guy, like this kid had a belt on one of my friends and he gave the guy his belt at his request. I, I remember that. I have no idea what the fuck this homeless guy wanted his fucking belt for. But I was just randomly talking to a homeless dude. You know what I mean? But that's just, I guess, you know, that's what the fuck happened. You know, when I was, dude, yeah. That, it was normal back then too. Cause yeah. like, dude, same age range as like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. We'd be out in the freaking woods by the mm-hmm. Stanislaus River in California, just like mm-hmm. paintballing in the woods. Homeless people would be out there too, and like they didn't bother us, we didn't bother them. But they we always had try the mindset, to bother like, you Man, with the fucking at- paintball dog. Just pop, pop, pop. <laughs> yeah, it's like we always had the mindset, like, oh, dog, if they come after us, like we're all shooting him, and absolutely, like we're gonna. You take the CO two tank to the head, like that's what we're doing. That was always exactly. game plan. You probably game planned it all the time. Yeah, but like. Dude, there was times we would quite literally get on our bikes and there'd be like mm-hmm. three or four of us. And looking back at it now, like the city of Modesto where we were near, we rode our bikes like 20 miles across mm-hmm. the city, like just out all night with friends. Yeah. And then rode our bikes back the next morning. Yeah. Like wild shit. Mm-hmm. Dude, like I, in today's world, dude, I would not feel comfortable with my kids doing that at 18. And I was doing this at like 12 and 13. Exactly. I was just about to say the same thing, man. Like it, it does. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's actually true or if this is just our impression because the news cycle has made us all more aware of all the negativity that's out there. But I agree with you. I would not let my if I had a 12 year old and I don't just go run around where I live all fucking day and never check in with me and just yeah. be totally chill that he's on his bike and out with three friends. Like just, I don't know. It would, I don't know how my parents fucking did it. And I don't know if it really is because of how, you know, all this bad news is readily accessible. And if the yeah. impression that there are way more creeps out there than there used to be. And I do think that there are personally, I think that they've become more emboldened by a lot of the depraved shit that we fucking allow in our country. But, yeah, you know, I remember being uh, in eighth grade in Japan when my dad was stationed there 
and my parents letting me go off base, hop on a train and take it an hour away to downtown Tokyo and get out with my friend. And I just had to be back at a certain time. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot of trust, bro. Yeah. To be fair, I've been out there at Yakota, you know, Mm -hmm. I've been down in Tokyo and Narita and went to the Shibuya crossing, but like Mm -hmm. just experiencing Japan. If I live there now, Oh yeah, dude. I'd let my daughter just like, yeah, man, have at it. Just shoot you're me right, a text man. and yep. let me know where you're at because that like Japan compared to anywhere else, it is cleanest, nicest, totally, friendliest, safest I've ever seen. I agree. Totally different place than like if I, you know, were letting my eighth grader get on the fucking light rail and go to downtown Sacramento. That'd be it's totally not even this fucking same. Oh, you yeah. know. But yeah, but still, like just the trust in your 13 year old to, to in a foreign country to get on a train, like knowing that they're safe. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm thankful that my parents did that because I mean, I remember those experiences and they definitely were beneficial to me. And, you know, but it's just, it's just kind of crazy when you think about just the freedom that I feel like, you know, and even I'll say this as an adult having children and a Halloween, like a holiday, like Halloween, right. It just feels like, and I've done Halloween in several different states now that there are far less kids about how I remember Halloween, just like the neighborhood being filled with kids. It just feels like that doesn't happen the same way either. You know what I mean? And that yeah, so you like, see a lot of parents more with their kids or driving their kids around, which is stupid for trick or treating. Yeah, whereas like, where bro, we're running Georgia? muck. Yeah. Dude, where I was at in Georgia, like every single family, was riding around in a truck bed or mm-hmm. a four wheeler. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the, like, what is this? Like we were one of the few families walking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then we just weird. had our first Halloween here in uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Dude, night and day difference. You didn't see a single vehicle rolling around. There was hundreds, probably thousands between the whole area, oh, just good. all over the place. Yeah. You know, there was a freaking motorcade of four wheelers and side by sides and dirt bikes like 300 people deep just rolling through the neighborhoods, throwing candy out everywhere. It was freaking awesome. That is cool. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it's still alive. Cause I've even seen people on um, social media talking about how like Halloween seems dead now, but um, yeah, you know, well, we're of- like outside of the city where I'm at. Like if you think mm-hmm. of the whole city of Phoenix, yeah, like I could send you a picture of like where my house is on the map and you'd be like, dude, there, it literally just looks like your dot is in dirt. Yeah. But um, it, it's a pretty good spot. Like, we got a big-ass grocery store that's three miles away. Like, I could walk there if I wanted to. Right. And, uh, like, literally anything we need is just right next to us. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to leave our little area. We could just chill out here. And there's, like, no crime out here. There's still tons of building going on, though. Yeah. But it's dead silent all the time unless the jets are flying over just loud as shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of like uh, what it was like when I was in Montana. It's a little different here where I'm at in uh, California. But um, one of the things I wrote down that I was, you know, wanting to chat with you about was wondering if you saw um, the news about uh, Carrie Lake and being bribed and that audio recording. Did you see that? Yeah, so I saw a little bit of it. And mm-hmm. uh, like they're trying to bribe her out of like office or trying to run for anything. Yeah, so they asked her to take a two-year hiatus on participating and like running for elected office, and yeah, um, which is really weird. Like, yeah, um, I, my instant gut feeling is like, okay, 
you guys know she's gonna fuck up all of your bullshit plans of like just probably a bunch of corruption mm-hmm. trying to make money you know yeah. just a bunch of dumb scheming and she's gonna mess it all up the same way the essentially trump did when he got into office threw everything completely out of whack and people were just furious about it mm-hmm. i think that's essentially what's going to happen here yeah no that, that that was essentially the impression that um she was outlining when talking to him and, and uh the gentleman who was trying to bribe her has since resigned his position after the audio came out but one of the things that really struck me in the recording um, that came out and was made public is she makes a comment where she says, you know, they're going to try and have me murdered. And she says it, and she kind of laughs when she says it probably half serious, half joking. But his response to her is, well, you know, in today's world, and then he makes a comment about the cartels and then says, you know, the cartels are on, are in all 50 States. So they don't want us to talk about that. That's fucking yeah. crazy, bro. She's sitting there yeah. and jokes about how they're going to have her murdered. And he's basically like, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you want to take this money, you know, like get the hitman that we could hire for way less than what we're trying to pay you. Dude, absolutely. Like if, if that's the way that you're coming to the table doing business where you're just going to validate somebody's concern that they're going to get fucking murdered, maybe you should go fucking murder yourself. Get the fuck out of your job and open it up yeah. for somebody else. Like that's just why, why don't crazy. you just openly say you have dirt on Hillary so you get suicided? Yeah, exactly. Then you don't just make it easy on everybody, dude. Yeah, yeah, just fucking yeah, shoot yourself in the back of the head and then hang yourself so we know is a suicide and we'll call it good. You know, yeah. but no, that just was fucking crazy to me that she said that and he essentially just kind of confirmed it by saying, "Well, you know, today's world." Like, okay, well, what else are you like silently acknowledging? Are you right. acknowledging in, in this statement that there are other people who are have been politically assassinated? Like, yes, but who are you implying? You know, who is the they you're talking about who's going to make you a you know a political murder? Like who the fuck yeah. are it's it's just wild, man. Like and good for her for having the fucking brass balls to sit there and tell this guy to go fuck cake. Like good for her. Yeah. And it's it's kind of wild that she didn't just put that out there. When she did, and uh, you know, back when it happened, and maybe it has something to do with worrying about her life, and somebody you know just did put it out. But like, that's just yeah. that has to be too. Like he is almost politely trying to bribe her. Well, not trying to. He is politely bribing her, trying to bribe her, and she wouldn't let him. But it makes you wonder what sorts of conversations happen that aren't so polite, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I saw that little bit. The first thing that popped in my head was like, oh, yeah, you know, JFK tried to shut down the CIA, wound up dead. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants to shut down some of their dumb bullshit. And they're just openly like, hmm, you know, you might run into somebody from the cartel on accident. Exactly. They might. Obviously, they don't have the freaking CIA under their pocketbook. But due to cartel, probably, maybe. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's all kinds of people that work for the various cartels in Arizona and California, you know, who take some sort of government payroll wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, one of the other things I saw recently, it's made a lot of news is that group Patriot front. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that one. Okay. So you remember the meme I put up on, um, on Instagram where it said, you know, like, Hey, fed fed boys, you know, the least you could do is like change your uniforms or whatever. And it was that group yeah. that was protesting. Okay. So that was a picture from, um, the, uh, Patriot front group that was protesting 
or they were marching, I guess you could say, um, a couple of days ago. And uh, they've made a lot of news because of, you know, the masks they had on and, you know, everybody, you know, is like, oh, they're, they're feds and all this stuff. And, you know, I made the joke as well. But one of the things I want to talk about is that there is a lot of misinformation out there about who they are. And I saw this today. Somebody essentially shared a video of their leader. The guy's name is Thomas Ryan Rousseau. And he was talking about like who they are, why they wear their masks. And one of the things he said about wearing masks is that anonymity is an American virtue and that we have the right in the United States to be anonymous and yada, yada, yada. And that, you know, sure, that's true. Um, but one of the things in, in this very long Twitter thread uh, by a guy named Ian Smith, who has a massive following, um, is essentially he's trying to, I wouldn't say lionize these people, but try to add credence and credential to what they're saying and that it is, you know, some sort of good thing. And I did some like looking very simple looking into who these people are and specifically who this guy, Thomas Ryan Rousseau is. And the dude is 100% a white supremacist. And if you go to their fucking website, they have a manifesto. And oh, one man. of the, yeah, yeah. One of the things in the manifesto, it talks about it is, um, yeah, I'll try and find it. So I don't misquote it. Um, hold on. Yeah, that went downhill quick. Well, yeah, you know, and if you're not paying it, that's the point I'm trying to make is if you're not paying attention and you just sit there and listen to this guy Rousseau talk, he's saying things that a lot of people who tend to be more conservative would say they align themselves with, well, you know, we're just a patriot group and we're out here to help American families. And these are all things they're saying, but there's, you know, the reality, um, you know, underneath, let me find it here. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Isn't that uh, similar to what Hitler did? Oh, well, absolutely, dude. These people, they co-opt things that people who are struggling essentially will resonate with and they turn it into something, uh, you know, that they can action. Here it is. This is this is from their manifesto, right? So this is an African, for example, may have lived, worked, and even been classed as a citizen in America for centuries, yet he is not American. He is, as he likely prefers to be labeled, an African in America. The same rule applies to others who are not of the founding stock of people, as well as to those who do not share the common unconscious that permeates through our greater civilization and the European diaspora. Right, so diaspora meaning, you know, the flood of people fleeing Europe, right? So yeah. literally the that, guy is literally a fucking terrible. white. It is literally the guy's a white fucking supremacist. Um, so if you're, if you have run into seeing any of this online um, and seeing this, this guy talk, um, just know that while some of the things he's saying about saving our country and, you know, uh, patriotism, essentially they are, they're, they're true right? The guy is a white supremacist and his goal essentially is to have, as he says, a nation within a nation, um, a a white nation essentially. So just be careful, man, with the people, not you specifically, but people listening, you know, when you, when you see stuff online, it becomes very easy to just take it at the value that you, you get when you initially look at it and, and run with that and and maybe develop a few thoughts about it and not actually dig into it. Um, but it is 
did not take a lot to find. Like, do you remember a couple of years ago when Trump was president, there was um, that Unite the Right rally or whatever in Charlottesville. And you remember those guys, they had those like torches and they were, they, it looked very KKK. Do you remember that yeah. at all? And there was, okay. Do you remember too, how like somebody drove through the crowd of people and like killed somebody? Yeah. You know that? Yeah. So the guy who Thomas Ryan Rousseau, who's like the leader for this Patriot Front group, he was there. So he's part of the people that participated in that, right? And if you remember like some of their, you know, things they were quoting were, you know, you're not gonna make us disappear, like talking about like white Americans. And so just yeah. this is he's now again like in the the public eye, but has been before. So the the media is not very good at portraying all of that. And a lot of times people just don't, you know, can't be bothered, not in a bad way, but just don't take the time to go and look into some of this stuff. And um, you can find his mugshot from being arrested. Um, you can find some of the early stuff he wrote. Um, it's all, like I said, it's all pretty, pretty racist shit. And um, this isn't the first time he's been on the news, essentially, but he looks a lot different now. Uh, he's got a beard and long hair and his dress is really fucking nice. Um, you know, and I will, you know, his, his whole shtick about, oh yeah, you know, well, anonymity is an American virtue. Like, sure, that's the truth, but let's be real. You don't have a mask on and a few other people around you, but all these other fucking losers marching around with fucking 511 tactical brown khaki pants marching up and down the fucking street, you know you're hiding your face because you don't want to lose your fucking job because you're a fucking white, white supremacist. So that's yeah. why you're hiding your face. There's nothing. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. All the other shit he says is, is true. You know, if you're online promoting American patriotism and nationalism, you might wind up on a fucking list, but you're, you, and you may even wind up on a list for being a white supremacist, whether you're talking in that way or not, but that guy absolutely is. And so is that group. So yeah. I, I mean, they, they labeled yeah, they labeled like ninety percent of the fucking DOD and veterans as like extremists. What just a couple of years ago? So well, yeah, and they they one of the things too. They said if you you know they were tracking who was shopping at like Home Depot and shit is if somehow that fucking makes you uh, a, a white supremacist or somebody to be on a list. Like get the fuck out and of it makes here, you dude. An extremist because exactly. you might be capable of building things that they don't like. <laughs> It just goes back to what you were saying, like, you know, going out there and hunting and skinning that rabbit and harvesting its organs and skin. Like, if you also have the ability to go out there and, you know, be a bushcrafter and make your own, uh, you know, what am I, what am I looking for? Where I'm looking for here, make your own fucking house and shit out in the woods and make your own amenities and all that other shit. You're, you know, you're an extremist. It's like that fucking meme I share. It says, I just want to be left yeah. alone. Right. So. But anyway, yeah, yeah. As soon as you want to be left alone and you can survive by by yourself on your own, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) government, little red flags here. Like he doesn't need us anymore. This is a problem. We need to make him need us. And I'm glad you said that because that's exactly the point. Is they want everybody to need them so they can get more power. And everybody that that doesn't realize that they think uh, let's just give the government more power so everything is better when they're not the like they're not the ones that made the shit wagon into what it fucking is already. So. exactly yeah man no i just wanted to put that psa out there before we wrap up about that patriot front group because at least in my with my algorithm i've seen a lot of people talking about them and you know obviously like calling them feds i don't think they're feds at all there might be some feds in that group uh spying on them and seeing what the fuck is going on 
but uh, yeah, hopefully but they're that, doing that, their job. Yeah, sure. If that if yeah if they've infiltrated a white supremacist group, I guess that for sure they're doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, no PSA that that guy and that group is uh, definitely a white nationalist group. So like for real, and that's <laughs> yeah. definitely not a good thing. So, but yeah, man, did you have anything before we wrap up that you wanted to impart? I mean, no, that's that's pretty much it. The only thing I would wrap up with is you know telling people to do what you need to do to be an asset. You know, have the mentality to do everything and anything possible to make yourself be an asset to everyone around you. For me. It's my wife and kids and friends and family. Mm-hmm. I, if they need me for anything, I need to be able-bodied and be there. Yeah. I love that you said that because, um, you know, one of the new things that we're talking about on the podcast, obviously, is fortifying all fronts. And that's the spiritual, mental, and physical aspects of your life. If I could break that down a little further, it is about, you know, the people that you keep around you that keep you, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually sharp having good people around you because the company you keep is, is who's going to color who you are. So finding your exactly. tribe is, is what I'm getting at. And then be conscientious of what you intake as well. And, and obviously like food intake, but I mean what you're reading, how you learn, what you're learning, you know, it's okay to learn about ideas that you don't necessarily agree with. And it's a mark of intelligence to take an idea in and not agree with its principles and, and say, no, I've learned this. Now I know I don't agree with it and then move on from there. So yeah. it's about what you're you intake. Ingest anything and learn from it. Exactly. It's about what you ingest. It's about the people you keep around you. It's about the individual decisions you make every day to stay physically fit, like you said, to be an asset, to keep your mind sharp, to find some sort of spiritual guidance, whether you know that could look like religion for some people, it could look like philosophy, but whatever it is, you know, getting getting your your mind, your body, your spirit right, and those on those three fronts, like Zach and I like to say, um, is is fortifying all fronts. And um, you know, man, honestly, I think that you absolutely embody those things. And just from getting to know you, it's been an absolute pleasure to see you know, that you actually have those convictions. You get up every day, you do what you're supposed to do. I see what you send me. You take care of your kids. You're taking care of you know your house, all this stuff you're doing to give them an awesome life and give them that example of what a man and a, you know a father and a husband should look like. And so, um, you know, I'm glad to have people like you in my tribe and and have you on the podcast and talk about it and, and get to pick your brain a little bit about all this nerdy shit you do all day. Um, but, uh, but also have on a, a genuinely good person who, you know, is trying to build a better world for their kill their kids and leave it better. Yeah, than it I, mean, I appreciate it. Bro. Thankfully, like the internet can actually bring people like us together and be able to discuss these things, talk about how to better ourselves, better our kids, our families, all the above. Absolutely. Every possible way to increase what we are able to do for them. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, bringing us together a little bit better than the uh, COD chat rooms where we're fucking cussing each other out and threatening to kill each other's moms, <laughs> right? So, oh, yeah. But all right, man. Well, I think we're going to wrap up this episode of I Came With Fire podcast um, by saying please subscribe. Please go out. If uh, you listen to us on YouTube, primarily maybe go over to spotify and just hit that follow button um you know it really really helps us out and the one thing too that uh, really helps us out is if you listen to us on a platform that allows you to leave comments right so if you watch the reels on instagram or facebook or the shorts on youtube or the videos on youtube or even spotify um, there are questions we put on the each of those episodes that you can answer comment 
I appreciate everybody's comments. You know, if you just want to write on the YouTube episodes, you know, that you love our podcast, um, maybe take the time to say something specific about something we said in the episode. You know, if we're talking like tonight, if we're talking about, you know, uh, technology or this Patriot Front group or China or whatever, maybe say something about um, something specific we're talking about, ignite a conversation uh, that really helps with visibility. So, and, um, you know, the, the statistics I see still say the majority of our listeners are people who are unsubscribed. So, you know, would would be greatly appreciated to hit that subscribe button and help us out. And, um, but, um, you know, big thanks to you, Marcus, for coming on and talking to me tonight, man. And, um, you know, here's to another awesome episode. Yeah, absolutely, man. On that note, just for everybody listening, in terms of fortifying all fronts, start with the emotional. You That's get a good nowhere one. if your emotions control you. I love it. All right, brother. Let's close this one out. Peace out, man.